This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, it's Dave here. This is my wife, Kathy. Hello. This is the Cinemile, the podcast where we walk home from the movies, but also watch a lot of TV. And <laughs> yes. As always, this year, we're doing our roundup of what we thought were our favorite TV shows of 2020. And there were quite a lot of good TV shows, this, to be fair, it this was, year. You know what? 2020, bad year for movies in terms of being able to see them. Great year for TV because... In terms of never leaving your house. <laughs> exactly. And uh, always being in front of your TV. <laughs> so we're going to do our top five now, best ones. Then we're going to do worst. Then we're going to do guilty pleasures. And then we're going to do honourable mentions. Yeah. Uh, so loads of fun. We always love doing and we're And podcast. we're also going to hear from uh, what you guys thought were your uh, best and yeah. worst and guilty pleasures. Uh, so we did a call out on... Twitter and on our Patreon so we're going to uh, shout out some of you guys later on because, uh, because people... I, I honestly having read through what you guys said there's loads of stuff we didn't even see <laughs> exactly. I think our, if, if I'd seen all the TV that came out this year my list would probably be very different we would have um, Dave and That's I often fantasise in lockdown about like as much as we love our children a couple of days with no children where you could just like truly get knee deep into some TV um, and it would <laughs> yeah. have been epic but That's we're it. not here to talk about lockdown or in fact 2020 we're here to talk about TV so let's right. go as ever our top five all, everything is a complete secret from each other we we do these lips lists separately secretly covertly Covertly, yeah. <laughs> I was doing mine under the dinner table. <laughs> uh, and like, I'm so disorganized this year. Like last year, all year, I was keeping a list for this episode. This year, I'm like, whatever. I started my list a month ago. Oh, impressive. But on because it. we do so many TV reviews on Patreon, I actually just went back to our own Patreon <laughs> to see what we talked about. So there's my memory bank. So now, go. What's your number five? Woo! Thrilling. Um, my Check. number five completely surprised me and I never ever thought this show would end up on any list of mine because it was dead in the water for years it's Curvy Enthusiasm the latest season uh, it's a show that like back when we were in university like season oh, 10 or 11 or? whatever the one that came out this year it's, was oh god it's so good when we were like back in Spite uni store. we loved it used to watch it I got really sick of it it became very competitive I haven't seen it for years and years haven't seen repetitive any any season 
That's what I said, right? You said competitive. Oh, I meant repetitive. Uh, and then, you know, in desperation in March this year, looking for something to make us laugh, said, oh, we'll check out Kirby Enthusiasm latest season because everyone's talking about how funny it is. Boy, was it funny. It was exactly what I needed this year. And if, like me, you checked out a Kirby Enthusiasm a long time ago, I say come back for it. Oh my it. God, come back for because this season. Because we, we, we all need a laugh. And this, I was just laughing my head off watching this season. I, I found that I'd been away from Larry David long enough that I really welcomed him back into my life. Because yeah. he is a character that's one note and you can get sick of him. But the stuff that was going on in this was just so silly and so funny. Like an the example. spite store throughout the whole thing. There's this <laughs> plot about a spite store, like and it is Larry amazing. David. There's like a plot. There are multiple people within the show will set up a spite store. So like Larry David's um, sorry, nemesis. Sorry, before we continue, there will be no spoilers. No spoilers. This is this is the premise of the show. Spoilers. There won't be any spoilers for any TV shows no. that we mentioned. It's basically here just today. that like someone in the show would say open like a coffee shop, right? And you don't like them, and then you open up a coffee shop next door just to spite it to take half the business away. And it's just so funny. All the stuff about the spite stores doesn't probably sound as funny. And look, I know everyone's been talking about Shit's Creek this year. I couldn't get into it. Kirby Enthusiasm is the comedy that made me laugh probably the most this year. Um, so yeah, that's my top, my number five. And I and I give it that because it made me laugh so much and I really needed a laugh. Excellent. All right. Well, I also picked a comedy Ooh. at number five. Uh, so, and, and by the way, I when we get to honourable mentions, there's... Uh, there's a lot of good comedies. There's about five other shows that I toyed with that could have been in my top five. Same. Because I really struggled this year. And you should, yeah... T- same. I, I struggled had, to nail down this top five. I struggled with it too because there was a lot of really good TV, but I don't know that there was for my last year, which was a Watchman, a Succession, a oh Chernobyl. My, nothing, You're nothing not top. Those three shows from last year were yeah. better than every show this year. I know. Twenty nineteen. A oh lot of really, really, really good TV though, and like that's why I actually surprised myself when I was finessing my list today. I surprised myself about Kirby Enthusiasm because when I look back over the year, I just remember like genuinely waiting every week for it and that doesn't happen to me a lot with TV like I was dying to watch it I was watching it live on Sky Atlantic like who watches live (laughs) comedy at 10pm at night like Um, okay so my number five show is What We Do in the Shadows season two uh, which you didn't watch with me um, but I no but I did love the movie the the movie is excellent and it does feel um, like this show um, is really has really carved its own path uh, from the movie because uh, I, th- I talked about this previously in season one but it did have that similar thing to the office where the US office where it kind of starts as a remake of something and then kind of carves its own path um, and to be fair they did that very much in season one and established it but like a lot of good comedies uh, season two is where things really lift off and I think this show really took off uh, they've, they've kind of the, the 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 sort of creative, um, the the creative juices are flowing, so to speak, like a flowing, like blood from someone's neck because it's vampires. Um, vampires are so hot right now. But but it's just like the they finally like the the actors have just nailed all their characters. The writers are on it, um, and the plots are very interesting in this season. So I won't talk about any specifics, but there's like there's a very interesting dynamic with uh, a, a vampire slayer plot. Um, they, they, they move on all the, the characters a bit more you get to learn more about them uh, for instance the, um, Colin Robinson the, the energy vampire there's an incredible plot where he 
uh, gets a promotion and becomes it's super powerful at work <laughs> and is able to just like drain people's energy like like a, only a boss could um, by just and, and they have to listen to him so it's like this you, know, you have to listen to your boss and no, it's just uh, like, I've had that boss trust me so they so they do uh, so they do this sort of situational comedy stuff really well they introduce a lot of fun um, guest characters um, what's his name what's the boy from Sixth Sense um, Hayley Joel Osment Hayley Joel Osment shows up as a uh, at one point uh, Mark Hamill is in this season wow. in a wonderful role um, and uh, honestly the uh, big name for anyone who's watched uh, this all I gotta say is Jackie Daytona is one of the, 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 be- the best episodes and best uh, of, of TV in uh, 2020 and one of the, the funniest things and like you said about Curb Enthusiasm we needed a comedy this year more than ever and this is basically this show is kind of one to watch this is on the trajectory and I looked forward to every episode I saw a lot of people actually tweeting us about this show as well in their top shows of the year uh, okay number four is a show that we also watched on Sky Atlantic um, Devs oh Devs yeah so this is Alex Garland's um Sci-fi, sci-fi twisty sci-fi is it in your thing. list because we should probably just go talk about it or do you want to reserve the right to hold that confidential <laughs> what that got formal <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth I'm going to reserve the right to keep that confidential we're not in America so we don't actually have the fifth amendment but I'll allow it because we watch a lot of courtroom dramas <laughs> uh, so Debs makes my list because it was so unique it was a fascinating miniseries directed by Alex Garland um, who made Ex Machina, which I absolutely love. He's an incredibly talented guy. Uh, this is certainly feels like the same universe that Ex Machina is in. Um, it's about a very rich, very strange man who has created this... He's Mark Zuckerberg. Very strange technical, technical world. It's like set around like a Silicon Valley-esque, yeah, Facebook-esque Played thing. brilliantly against type by Nick Offerman. Amazing, right? Yeah. Uh, so you would know him as kind of the foolish guy in Parks and Rec with the moustache. Anyway, I don't want to... I kind of don't want to go into like the plot of the show because it's very unique. But what? But Devs is one of the most unique premises I've seen in a long time. Yeah. The execution was absolutely stunning. Uh, the acting was incredible. The it was a, the interesting the lead kind actress, of a tense tense sort of action thriller at times as well. And we realised the lead actress actually had had a very small part in Ex Machina, and she was a model, and she had been cast to play this kind of you know one of the kind of mannequins in Ex Machina, and then she basically had been elevated because the director liked her so much. She's now the star of this show, so she's definitely like not someone you'd really know and I love when you watch a TV show and it's like kind of a not famous person is your protagonist and she's really good I found her character to be a bit of an energy her character void wasn't great, she, she was but a bit I, draining I enjoyed her <laughs> um, and we also have anyway I won't go into who all the people were but if you like sci-fi and you like thought provoking sci-fi and you like incredibly well realised worlds that are like almost exactly like ours but not this also had like a mystery element that I really enjoyed I found the end pretty much very satisfying because so often with sci-fi shows and I'll get to Raised by Wolves in a different section of this podcast but so often with great sci-fi and great world building it all falls off a cliff at the end and this show didn't and that's actually really hard to do there was incredible stuff and I won't go into spoilers but I just really recommend if you can catch it somewhere 
to watch devs there was only six or eight episodes wasn't there so not a lot uh, not a lot yeah, yeah. but it's, it's it, I, I agree it was absolutely brilliant um excellent show um but um nice segue there because my number four is raised by wolves ah, no way uh, amazing <laughs> yeah um Ooh. similar se- oh that's me were you, were you doing a wolf there i was both howling like a wolf and throwing shade at you <laughs> apologies also for the wind it's very windy today yeah. <laughs> um so raised by wolves uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it is uh, it's a hbo max original um but we watched it in the uk on sky atlantic <laughs> where most of our shows come from yeah. we also just finished it last night so it's fresh in our memories very fresh um and fresh is how i would describe this show <laughs> as a whole because you, you nice. um, similar to devs um so did we make an unwritten rule that number five has to be a comedy number four has to be a sci-fi sounds like it sounds yeah. like we are we are in sync um <laughs> But with very different shows. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, a lo- lo- lot like Devs, it is... Um, I felt like this was a show in which I had no idea where it was going, what was happening, and I have not seen anything like it before. Um, have you seen Prometheus? <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is shades of Prometheus, <laughs> So you have seen something sure. like this before. Um, and now, o- I'm joking. I actually thought this was a brilliant show. I just thought the ending fell off a cliff. But other than that, I actually thought... I really agree with you. I think it's brilliant. And, and well, interestingly, Prometheus... So, Ridley Scott, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, an exec producer in this and directed the first two episodes. And it does have that vibe. Uh, it do- And, it, and for, for many reasons, which we won't go into because of spoilers. Um, <laughs> but it does definitely has shades of that. Um, but it was a. I, I just thought it was an incredibly interesting piece of sci-fi and a very good character drama. I'm not even going to say what it's about. No. I'm going to just recommend that people go but watch you can't it. Blind, sci-fi, like with sci-fi slash fantasy stuff. It's a sh- almost a shame to ruin. Like we just turned on Raised by Wolves, knowing nothing about it except that Ridley Scott was involved. Yeah, and that's kind of all you need. Yeah, and I honestly, mean, just go on the journey. Um, yeah. And it was made by um, Aaron Guzikowski, uh, probably mispronouncing amazing, his name, <laughs> but he's um, the writer of Prisoners, that Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Oh, yeah, um, and movie. I and I think to and he he um, wrote a lot of this, and to, to I think that's kind of the strength of it. Um, interestingly, is the the th- sort of thematics behind this, while sometimes a bit on the nose, it, it is incredibly interesting, and it uh, I'm always in in for things that have. Uh, religious analogues and uh, dig into the bible a little bit with sort of and um, so that's very interesting the production design of the show is incredible it's, it's like so much money it's just money dripping off your screen it looks amazing but it's, that's like devs as well it looks so expensive oh devs look very, and looks very good for a different reason but yeah. the, I've, honestly the production of the design of this show is so fascinating because it's essentially a sci-fi futuristic world tinged with the sort of set that 70s futurism vibes sort of what like what we got in um in alien um it but was a bit too but, bleak for me though the color palette was so great yeah it's not very um i got i got sick colorful. of looking at the color palette but but the, but the, the the costume design is is almost like reminiscent of the the temple knights of the temp the templar knights and the the crusades and the middle ages and and uh we definitely felt like this show Somewhere in a production meeting, somewhere somebody said, "This could be the next Game of Thrones." It's, it does have shades of Game of Thrones, yeah. but most importantly for me, the thing I came away with from this show, what it felt to me was like, it felt, reminded me of Lost for various reasons. That the plot is kind of similar, and the structure of it contains some flashbacks and things like that. But also, there is that sort of 
Um, there's a lot of little mystery hooks in there. And, and it has very big notions of itself. And very big notions, yeah. But <laughs> just like Lost, and I kind of agree with you, the last episode is a warning sign that this show is in danger of... Um, of Eating, its, eating itself alive and becoming a parody uh, so it will be interesting to see if this makes my list in season 2 but I mean the contrast between and, I, and again I actually I actually genuinely recommend the show by the way it just didn't make my top 5 but but the contrast between it gets a bit maybe it, the first 8 episodes and the last 2 episodes is quite stark yeah because they kind of like it goes all in on mystery and plot and forgets about character is which is where, devs, where, Lost, where Lost was at its worst this is why Devs was, in, was number 4 for me because Devs like felt like the mystery was satisfying the world was satisfying the conclusion was satisfying I also didn't feel like De- Devs was pitching for a second season and that's probably a core difference this show is pitching for a second season and like yeah, true, that's just the true. difference in it yeah. but uh, that's fine because I'm actually with I'm, I'm back I'll be back for Raised by Wolves next year I mean Wolves I think you year. can't make a world like the Raised by Wolves world which is so unique and incredible and like not revisit it it would it would feel like a waste it's dense and if and if they had tried to solve it all in one season it probably wouldn't have wouldn't been have satisfying well you just but, would have done a bit less but the acting in this I mean there's a oh, there's a couple called good. Mother and Father and their exchanges are the best I've seen all year now we're going to record a spoiler special on Raised by Wolves for our Patreon today actually so we'll get into Mother and Father over there but yeah absolutely yeah, so, loved watching them and they're not e- either of them they're not actors I've ever seen before and I loved watching them so yeah uh, patreon.com forward slash the cinema for that we'll be up soon uh, right Cathy what's your number three <sighs> okay number three is a show I watched very early this year uh, in lockdown again of course so it must have been after March Little Fires Everywhere uh, Oh yeah I forgot about that is, I didn't see it You didn't watch it No I watched it with my sister Elizabeth Who lived with us For the first lockdown um, Based on a book That I loved By Celeste Ng And you know When you've read a book And loved it And you know When adaptation's coming You get very very nervous Yeah uh, Slight shade towards The Outsider Which is going to be On a different list for me <laughs> Same <laughs> I can feel like It's on the same list For both of us The best part is You know I, I started keeping A list in January, February for this and then it fell off a cliff and I actually had The Outsider on my best TV list clearly before we'd uh, watched past episode one before anyway, we'd watched it <laughs> before we'd watched past episode one oh episode one. one was amazing anyway back yeah. to Little Fires Everywhere it, it's a fantastic adaptation um, it was produced by Reese Witherspoon uh, and stars Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington like two incredible actresses and what this book did this adaptation did something that is very rare in that it took the source material and actually elevated it so the source material I won't go into the mystery because there is a mystery element but um, the source material of this in the book there is effectively two characters of different classes right we've got a working class woman and a very privileged upper middle class woman Um. In the book, race isn't specified or talked about in regards to these two women, albeit there's a very strong uh, separate plot about um, Chinese-American characters, but these specific women, race isn't talked about in the book. But in the show, they cast Carrie Washington as like the working-class woman and Reese Witherspoon as the rich woman. Uh, Reese Witherspoon very much evoking her Big Little Lives character, but that, that's not a bad thing. She does it brilliantly. Big Little Fires Everywhere? Uh, yeah, exactly. So what this, what elevated the show for me, aside from the fact that it's phenomenally written right, and it had a writer's room of um, incredible women. I've listened to them on a couple of different podcasts, uh, the writer's room actually, and women who 
come from like all colours and creed and they all came together made the show together it feels like it's written by a broad range of people it feels like it tackles very different experiences um, and and I really think I, I thought they did a really good job of, of elevating the book and creating this stunning TV show again money poured into it I can't remember who made it in the States but in over Prime here Prime Video over here was it? Prime Video yeah. over here um, but it wasn't Prime Video in the States Um Kerry Washington's unbelievable in it. Reese was amazing. Also, Pacey from jo- Dawson's Creek shows up. Joshua Jackson, absolutely loved him. And it tackles some really interesting themes. So you've got like the flashy money stuff around like kind of big little Lizeth stuff that I always enjoy. Set in the 90s, which I love a, a bit of a retro uh, throwback. It tackles um, really interesting issues around like parenthood and what it means to be a mother. Um, and, you know birth mothers adoptive mothers varying uh, motherly experiences women who have four children someone who's only got one child like the pressure on women to be specific type of mothers i found all that really interesting especially because i watched it like right after we had our second baby this year and i was locked down with children and kind of uh, accidentally became a locked in stay-at-home mother and I found all of that stuff really interesting because it kind of parallels with one of the women in it and then of course all the stuff I mentioned about race was really interesting I thought they did that really well um, and of course there was like a big awesome like kind of mystery, mystery in it as well so like hands down I thought it was a brilliant show and uh, absolutely recommend it all these shows got mysteries in them you gotta gotta no it's no big you gotta got a mystery um, the most the mystery there's a small bit of mystery in it the, the most important like thrilling part of this show is the relationship between Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon. They are unbelievable on screen together. You cannot take your eyes off them. Uh, and, and a real different performance from Kerry Washington because to uh, me, she's known so... For me, she's Olivia, just Olivia Pope, Olivia Pope from Scandal and she's just like so different from that in this That's show. That's a hammy performance. Though. I love watching her in this show. It was very different. And there was like lots, almost too many characters. Like there's a lot of teenagers and it was kind of hard to keep up with them, but I really enjoyed the teenage stuff as well. Uh, so yeah, big that what was it called again? I've just called it Big Little Eyes. Little fires everywhere. Little fires everywhere. <laughs> totally recommend. That was my number three of the year. Okay, I, I sounds good. I never saw it. Um, <laughs> okay, my number three is a bit of a left field one because it's Ooh. it's a show. It's a show that kind of feels like I haven't seen it on anyone's list because it's kind of does not, doesn't really it doesn't really feel at home with. Um, like <laughs> race by wolves and and uh, little fires everywhere and these massive productions and it's it's uh, just two lads on a stage for three episodes. Uh, I knew you were going to have this. I in. had to do it. And Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix was honestly one of the most joyous uh, things I've watched in in this year when I needed it most. I but just in Dave general, Dave was watching this and I was in another room and I was like, Dave's hysterical. Dave was hysterically laughing by himself. By in myself. Room. Do you know how rare it is to <laughs> laugh by yourself at a comedy? Like I, I talked about what we do in the shadows a minute ago, and I thought that was very funny, um, and re- I really enjoyed it. But I didn't sit. I didn't sit with that show like most comedies and just laugh out loud to myself. I did. You tend to need someone else with you, you. You do. Yeah. Often, you know, a live audience for a comedy film elicits laughter from you in the cinema. Um, yeah. In the cinema or with someone else next to you. But you know, most comedies, like I say this about The Office or anything, you you just kind of like you're enjoying the watch. You're laughing kind of inside, if that makes yeah. sense. Inside, I'm laughing, but. The this was just like I was belly laughing. This so basically, was explain so, what it is. So funny, and um, it is very. I, I went back and watched it with Dave, and I loved it as well. It's brilliant. It's uh, it's uh, Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz. 
um, who would uh, be most recognisable to audiences from um, Silicon Valley, in which Thomas Middleditch plays the main character, um, which also is um, came out this year, but I didn't finish the last season, uh, so I didn't put it on any lists. But uh, one of my uh, absolutely excellent comedy show. And Ben Schwartz, um, who's known for many things, for probably Parks and Rec. And for looking um, exactly like the young Hawkeye from, from Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, there's a funny comedy sketch about that online with the two of them. Um, um, and they, I didn't know this, but they've been um, performing as an improv duo for a, for a long time on tour. And they got a Netflix comedy special with three episodes this year um, and, I, and I gave it a go and honestly it's just so incredibly funny I've seen a lot of improv um, in my life and I, I, I really I'm a fan of it um, and when it's done well it's very very good when it, and, but it can be it can be shit basically and it, it can all be chronic it can be so bad and now it, I guess though that they might have filmed a few more of them went into surely the best three went into this special with perhaps Netflix. I don't I don't but know they've the also been practising for years like, they, exactly and um, pros in fact, I saw a live comedy show in a, I went to Chicago last year in what feels like 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> One million When you years actually ago. were able to visit places. And we went to the, uh, a famous comedy club in, in uh, Chicago, me and a few friends, and watched an improv... Um, it, it's an improv theatre in which a lot of Saturday Night Live people came through. And, and, and we had an absolute blast. And when it's done right with the, with the right talent on stage, people either have it or they don't. And these guys just have it. They, and they are so um, in tune with each other um, it, it, and it, it is incredible it's like the, the, and the, the yes and thing they have, they have nails they are constantly building on each other's challenges and it, it's almost like competitive they, they make they, they, they will add a, a line that changes the sketch that they're doing and makes it challenging for the other person and but they're like laughing at each other and they're such good actors so they'll be like at one point I swear they're each playing like seven different characters who are sitting in different parts of the stage yes. and they map the stage out so that like when he's playing a young girl called Alice I'm making this up he's like at the front left of the stage then he's and playing, he'll be crouching down yeah and then he's playing an old man who's standing at the back right of the stage with his legs spread open and he's just standing up and it's like they every time they do it you then know what character they are I can't describe it you and just need to go watch it that is, that's what's so incredibly um, amazing about this show is that Normally, improv shows are a series of sketches. So they'll throw something out to the audience, like whose line is it anyway, a little game, and then, you know, a three-minute sketch. Now let's do something else. This is long-form improv. So they literally, they're on stage for an hour with a few prompts that they get from the beginning, and then they just make an entire long-form sketch out of it, which tends to evolve as they go. But they tend to, but they'll bring in stuff that was a prompt at the beginning that you've forgotten about that was a callback. They'll bring it in towards the end. but, wouldn't have the, I mean, A, I wouldn't have the talent or skill, but B, the, the memory. The memory, but the <laughs> physicality of it all. But the memory is funny because they constantly play with each other because they can't keep, they cannot keep track of all these characters yeah. and the names that they're creating. Like, what's your name again? And so, <laughs> they, but they're, they're, they're playful, they're meta, but the physicality of it, like you said, is amazing. They are keeping track of up to a dozen or more characters on stage just the two of them with no props but at two chairs yeah I think um, and they're able to create worlds um, you know driving in cars in, in a classroom there's, there's monsters they go into the audience it is, it is they, they engage your imagination 
and somehow you as an audience are able to keep track of all these people as well and they also create iconic characters like Short Paul is one of the funniest comedy characters for me of 2020 and it's just like doesn't it doesn't exist it's just Thomas Middleditch on a stage like and stooping I've only, down I've only watched the first episode but it was you did tell me that was the best one and that was yeah, so and the funny. other two are very good as well, but the first one is You have to lead excellent. with the strongest one. Okay, um, so, so let's leave it there. Highly, highly recommend it. I loved it. Okay. Um, number two. Number Kathy. two. Woo! Um, also, how interesting that our lists are completely different so far. Yeah, usually they're very similar. Actually. I know one show which is going to be on both of ours. Well, my number two is, I believe, either your one or two, and it is Queen's Gambit. Yes. What that number? is my number two as well. Yes! We are aligned. How convenient. Um, the Queen's Gambit, first of all, full disclosure, we've already recorded a whole hour about this on our Patreon because we're obsessed. But the Queen's Gambit uh, was like, came in autumn for us all after the end of a heavy year. Um, and my brain was total mush. And you know what? <laughs> I was actually ready to get back into a big drama again. <laughs> And I'm ready to get back in everyone, the game Everyone is talking about there, Queen's Gambit And I'm like fine I'll watch the first episode <sighs> My general reaction to ending 2020 First episode even I thought like I know a couple of people Who've turned off after episode one Because the first episode Feels like the show Is a certain thing um, yeah. And it ain't The show will That's almost the prologue Isn't it Yeah, yeah The yeah. show will build and build On episode one And reach a glorious Climactic um, peak It's a show set In the 50s 60s It's fictional But it's based on a book And it feels real Like we kept We didn't we Oh never, you could have sworn This was a real never, person We'll never look up a show Till we finish it to see. It's made like a biopic Like Dave was like It's a real person I was like It's not It's a book It's too neat uh, I was right um, it's incredible an incredible performance from Anna Anya Taylor-Joy Anya Taylor-Joy uh, she basically plays like a young female prodigy chess prodigy and I have actually um, essentially no knowledge of chess can't play chess watching this show I feel like I'm the biggest te- chess pro on the planet they made it <laughs> chess interesting which is not something I, I would have envisioned on TV they made it a bit sexy which ain't something I'd have envisioned on TV <laughs> yeah. They managed throughout the 10 episode arc to constantly change how they illustrated games of chess to us. So it was always a different setting, always a different way of showing us that the chess was being played. Um, fascinating way of uh, that they got into this character's mind and we could see just through this incredible actress's eyes and face how she was reacting to the chess. But we also have all like the the background of the 50s and 60s so yeah. you know how women are being treated at this time like the cold war was really interesting um fascinating show but like mad men vibes you know it's it's an interesting show it's it's a very moving show it's quite a sexy show uh it's kind of like just built to this incredible climax and like it was just exactly what i wanted like I was so happy. We um we basically, you know the way I said earlier in the episode that like there was like this year we wished that we could have just sat and watched TV on our own for a couple of days. There was a day where we ended up with two kids in childcare and Dave took a day off work and I'm on maternity <laughs> leave and we spent all day watching the Queen's Gambit and we were like we were the happiest we've been all year, weren't we? I did literally I literally took a day off work to watch the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> like this was my holiday. We were so happy. <laughs> we were like sitting there just stuffing our faces with like mince pies and like everything we could think of and like we were just absolutely delighted with ourselves and that's I just say this show was one to be Netflix got it exactly right They made, it's a brilliant show they released it at exactly the right time of the year when we were all ready for it and 
the, it's pure binge like the show it's is an amazing binge I, I completely agree with everything you've said and the uh, the show is has has captured um, the, the sort of hearts and minds of people so much that it has influenced the sale of chess boards <laughs> like the chess industry has had a resurgence because of this show or chess it's had... has never been sexier <laughs> it's like it's quite incredible um yeah, I, I don't really have much else to add. And also, yeah, like you said, we have talked about this for an hour already. But the, um, the, th- the thing that is, it's, it's all those things you said, but it's also, at its core, it's a sports movie. Oh my God, forgot to say that. It's a sports movie. And, and that's... It's um, Rocky versus Apollo Creed. It, yeah, it's all of those things. And it knows, it, 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 the show is clever enough to understand why sports movies are good. Um, and sports movies are good because... and, and I've said this before, but me and Kathy have no interest in in sports, actual real life sports. But we're obsessed. I mean, I don't even like chess with sports movies. But you don't need to be interested in sports <laughs> or chess because this captures what is so captivating about sports and competitive nature. It's the storytelling and the emotion around those things. It's, it's the, the conflict, the underdog, the challenge, it's the triumph. It's a smug asshole who thinks they're better than you and then you can beat them. Yeah, exactly. It's so going the distance sometimes. You don't, you don't, and that's the thing, like you said, you don't need to know chess and you don't really come away from this show understanding chess I mean, I don't either. know what the Queen's Gambit yeah, is, by you the way. You, you don't know how to play chess after watching this. You won't learn chess. No, but because, I feel like I could with great authority watch a chess match and make like the appropriate faces. Hmm. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but that's, you know, you kind of said it um, a minute ago, but the... Uh, the, the 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 other thing that should be credited is the uh, the direction of this show throughout and the way they constantly um, they they keep the 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 stakes of the chess game real um, and they present the chess games in very different and exciting ways every time, which is a difficult thing to do. And like what to is keep- essentially. I I would think quite a boring thing it to watch live on the if you're not interested in production design set design but but the actresses the lead actress's face yeah she's very good she's, she's such a real a good actress and, and she's been cast as a Furiosa in the new Mad Max movie oh, which be I think is is really really she good can, casting like, act with her eyes almost like no actress I've ever seen and she's very like unique looking and then they styled her unbelievably like her clothes matched the chess matches somehow like yeah. and all so many shots of her were just like chest up and it's hilarious in chest a, up in a zoom world. oh sorry i thought you meant c-h-e-s-s-e-d <laughs> no uh, like <laughs> in the zoom world up. we live in like that's how we all see each other these days and like you know she probably encouraged me to up my zoom game a bit like i probably don't need to always be in my pajamas yeah just because someone's only looking at you kind of from the shoulders up doesn't mean you need to look like shit and in this movie a TV show that's proven you can look really good that way <laughs> um, so I'm delighted to be the same number two I've no idea what your number one is can you guess what my number one is I can't I thought the Queen's Gambit would have been your n- number one I, I toyed Great Queen's Gambit was my number one and then I put it off for a long time it came out in June and it it had very oh, heavy it's, I, I know it I may destroy you. It is. Yeah. It had. I knew it was going to have really hard-hitting topics, and uh, I was feeling a bit fragile when it came out, as many of us were this summer. And I, I kind of put it off, but I really wanted to watch it before the year was out, and particularly for this discussion. But I finally watched I May Destroy You, not in a binge like um, I did with The Queen's Gambit, but over a couple of weeks. Um, and it's a 12-episode series that was commissioned by the BBC, and... Um, created by Michaela Cole who's an incredible woman 
Um, previously, she made Chewing Gum, which a lot of you would have seen on um, Channel was a, 4. That was a great show. Or subsequently on Netflix. Um, and she wrote this show. It took her years to get it made. Like, at one point, Netflix uh, offered offered to, to make it, but she didn't like the element of creative control that she was offered with Netflix and, like, how, much own, how they would own the property. Um, and she held out, and the BBC gave her complete control and ownership over it. And it is just, like, nothing you've ever seen before. Um, it came out in June, uh, it, like in in the year that was with with all the Black Lives Matter movement that kicked off in the summer, um, quarantining like we were all doing. This show is just like the most zeitgeist thing I could possibly have imagined, and it's so interesting because she wrote it years ago, and it took a long time to make, and and coming out this year it felt like it was written for this year but specifically why I held off on watching it for a long time and just a bit of a trigger warning here or in sexual assault for anyone who's listening this show deals with uh, in great detail kind of a sliding scale between full enthusiastic consent and no consent in sexual encounters and what's really interesting about the show and its core group of characters is that they all experience just varying degrees of sexual encounters throughout the the, the show um, and I, pro- I won't go into more detail of it than that other than uh, some of them are extremely traumatic like the central uh, assault that happens Michaela Cole's character um, which is actually based on something that happened to her in real life is really traumatic and then there's like really interesting stuff around so other encounters that are like is it consensual or is it not consensual and and even the characters involved don't know and I found that very true to life um, and I think what made this my number one show of the year is that she managed to do all of that in a show that like because I was slightly dready watching it because of these topics she handled it with this incredible lightness so it's really serious and, and like the, the all of that stuff is incredibly serious and she doesn't flinch away from it but the show is actually really funny and the show has an incredible light touch it's beautiful to look at um, there's also lots of other stuff going on so like she's a writer who's like suffering from writer's block she's got a friend who's an actress she's like trying to get an acting gig it's like kind of lots of flashbacks there's some travel elements there's like drug use there's a character who's like basically a shot in and kind of doesn't leave the house and then there's like one of the interesting aspects of it is Michaela Cole's character and Arabella kind of becomes like a bit of a influencer on Instagram and she becomes really insufferable and her she's really insufferable company but but Michaela Cole manages to do that in a way that like you still kind of you feel you're on the journey with her because you feel so bad for her because of the assault but then she becomes really insufferable so she's not exactly like a sympathetic character and I think that's a really incredible thing to, to create characters that nuance like so often characters are like cut and dried if they've been like a victim of something they're just treated a certain way in a show or if they're a perpetrator they're treated a certain way she treats all the characters with like a lot of depth um, and there's like a very fascinating sequence where no spoilers but we meet somebody who did perpetrate a very serious crime and we meet them from lots of different angles and I found that really interesting um, and kind of the standout for me outside of Michaela Cole who's incredible starred in it wrote it created it um, she, her best friend's called Kwame and he's I don't know the actor actually but he is unbelievable remember I showed you him when I was watching it one day and I was like look what this guy you can just do with his face when he's acting it's a yeah. bit like a- Anna Taylor whatever from Queen's Gambit like the scenes Kwame's in like with his eyes what he can do is unbelievable um, 
and he's in a very interesting scene as well um a very interesting and very traumatic sexual assault scene and then he's also in a really ambiguous scene where he doesn't even know if he's done the wrong thing or not and I found all of that so interesting and like all the layers of consent and I waited until I'd finished watching it to listen to Michaela Cole on Louis Theroux's podcast Grounded and she's so interesting to listen to um, and even he was asking her about one of the sexual encounters he goes was this encounter right or wrong and she's like well I don't know I just thought it was an interesting encounter to write about like what do you think and he was like I don't know either oh, wow. um, but she also like much like the other shows we're talking about creates this very vivid world like they're in East London and it's just pulsating out of the screen like you can just feel it it's so real she's such a real character like I said she's got loads of flaws you don't necessarily like her all the time which makes her a very interesting protagonist you kind of like her friends more than you like her um anyway it's absolutely brilliant it's dessert like i'm so glad i wa- i'm actually glad i saved her for when i did because i don't think i w- would have been quite ready for it in june also of course i haven't even mentioned that like michaela cole is a black woman it's a black story uh, almost all the characters are people of color um and again in the summer that it was and everyone's talking about you know representation of of people of color on screen and how like predominantly white everything is it was truly wonderful to see a show um with like a black female showrunner who created it who stars in it everything else and of course issues of race are addressed in it because of the character and who she is but it's not like the central point of the show Um, and it's just again a bit like queen's gambit you know what a time to release it like it just it worked on every level and um, I wish you'd watched it but I was watching it while Dave was working and I was enjoying the heyday of my mat leave um, also our baby Elliot by the way was watching it with me loved it oh, God. when it would come on the screen because it's a really colourful show yeah. he'd be like totally like he would just sit watching it like it was Teletubbies or something I found that really interesting whereas other TV he'll just turn around and ignore so anyway that was my number one of he's the year he's under one by the way everyone. <laughs> he, he would not he would understand not what's happening, happening. Um, I, I may destroy you on BBC okay well look I, I it's interesting. I think the purpose for me of these end of year lists that everyone does online is not um, as it often ends up being sort of a debate about this show is better than that no, show. It's or personal. Exactly. It's personal. But also for me, the purpose of these lists and why I like to consume them and, and make them is to give recommendations and receive recommendations. Exactly. And that's what uh, that's what I think is best about these things. And for me, you, you have just pre- presented... An, inc- uh, an incredibly compelling reason to watch this show a very <laughs> eloquent so well done and, and I need to watch it now you really do and um, it's only 12 by half hour so I, albeit I watched it over a couple of weeks they zip along the episodes oh, I, only I love, half an hour. I I love a half hour episode okay right well I'm, I'm sold um, so my number can you guess my number one of the year normally your number one is like bloody uh Rick and Morty or Bojack Horseman so yeah. I'm going to guess one of them it's Bojack Horseman <laughs> it's the final season of Bojack Horseman because oh I am so predictable you literally I'm pretty sure you've had that now I know last year you had either Succession or Watchmen or Chernobyl but um, Bojack Horseman is a, is a constant La- okay last year the five I think I remember saying that the five um <laughs> oh no I think it was like number five or four but the fact that there was three amazing shows better than that again shows you how good last year was but yeah this year for me Bojack Horseman had its final I season I thought you were going to have The Mandalorian but not number one but I thought it would be in your top five well I'll tell you well we'll get, no, we'll we'll get, get to that we'll get to it okay. The Mandalorian was in the mix I'll be okay. honest it almost made five or four because it's very good 
Um, but we're not here to talk about Mandalorian. The we're here to talk Bo- about Bo- Bojack, Bojack Horseman. Now, Kathy historically hates when I talk about Bojack Horseman. You talk about it every year. I'm like, I get <laughs> well, it. It's an animated horse. Well, good luck, Kathy. But you're, I'm glad to tell you that this is the <laughs> final year I'll ever talk about it. All right, because it's the last ever season of it. And um, this show for me is. A, a personal highlight all six seasons of it I have absolutely loved it's just not only my um, vein of comedy I really appreciate the the consistent level of animal puns that go through throughout the show <laughs> but also the wackiness and the zaniness of it so I would be there for this show just because of that alone and that's kind of what Rick and Morty does for me Rick and Morty is kind of just zany interesting mad stuff with very funny gags and occasionally has pathos but Bojack Horseman is next level because it's all those things and and at the same time this incredibly human story of many humans not just a horse um, <laughs> but the horse himself is incredibly flawed and human he's a, in a, a very well-rounded character and like a lot of what you just said about um, Michaela Cole's character he's a horrible person and not very likable well, most of the time she's not a horrible time. person she can be horrible I, I, I'm not saying she's horrible I haven't yeah. seen that show but Bojack Horseman is, is objectively a horrible person and um, treats people horribly and has treated people horribly for six seasons <laughs> while also and you've treated me horribly for six seasons because you forced me to listen to you talk about it every <laughs> well, year I'm going, you're going to have to strap in and suffer it for a while longer um, but he is um, broken and damaged and throughout the course of six seasons through um, increasingly interesting methods of flashbacks and you know, we get uh, and, and uh, different scenes. We get a whole monologue. One episode is a like this show plays with format so beautifully uh, and bravely. Like, there's a whole episode which is just a, a, a eulogy at a funeral. Um, I did enjoy the episode you showed me about the Princess Carolyn being a, a mother. This yeah, season has so many cracking moments. But you of, were like, Kathy, you have to see this episode, uh, and I was like, okay. So then by the time I watched it, I was like, yeah, it's a really good episode, but like, Dave, calm down. Like, I just, okay. <laughs> why, why does every year I talk about Bojack Horseman, you do, you never leave me the time to speak. You Sorry. just tend to just oh. butt in and say how <laughs> stupid I am. I didn't That's what it feels did. like. I said it was a really good episode. Yeah, thanks. Right. Okay. Um, but that episode, it, it, amongst others um, in, the, in this season, is an example of them presenting... Um, presenting something very recognisable and relatable and human and as a any parent could watch that and be like oh my god they've absolutely nailed presented it. and nailed this in this conflict of 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 parents uh, being a parent uh, and uh, particularly of a young baby yeah. how difficult it is how how you're split between so many different things you feel like many different people and while also trying to um while also trying to juggle a professional career um and, and um while also putting in a load of ridiculous gags relating to cheese gags and Alison Brie and all these like brilliant stuff at the same time and and it was um, incredibly novel the way it was uh, presented and that's just one of of many examples in this season alone of this show just being a real creative force I think it's a genius show I will rewatch the whole thing again it's 100% finished is it? Yes, yeah, yeah, and and to speak to the ending without spoiling it, um, it's a beautiful ending. It's poignant, um, and it's not an ending, which I think is is a very appropriate thing. It's it's 
it's it's just life right they present these characters these characters feel like they will continue to have lives they don't nobody gets a conclusion nobody gets a full stop um because these feel like very real people even the mr peanut butter who is introduced <laughs> as a as a gag he's he's pretty much a gag from the first season which is he's bojack horseman's nemesis he's also got a sitcom but it was a bit more popular he's very happy he's the antithesis of everything bojack is and should have just been this one note gag character um much like todd um his his um former flatmate who again is just this joke character who went on a journey over six seasons in which he discovered an interesting thing about his sexuality um we we discover in this season more about his conflict with his his mother um so that's really interesting because my number one i may destroy you i felt like she rounded off all the characters way more than i've ever seen in a show like i said even one of the perpetrators at one point gets multiple scenes like it was it was completely unexpected how even like the most incidental characters ended up getting a lot of narrative and character arc so it's interesting as a parallel to our one that you're getting that from yeah and and also both shows 30 minutes long yeah right so not easy to do um so yeah I'll, i'll stop talking i think i've said it enough but um this this show will go down in history as one of i think one of the best written shows on television um and and I, I, I highly recommend if anyone hasn't watched it or is put off by it, um, give it a go and give it a few episodes because it does need a bit of uh, a runway at season one to get going. But it is incredibly rewarding and beautiful. Wonderful. And complicated. And, you know, a lot of people over the years have told us they watch Bojack Horseman because of your recommendation. So I may slag you, but... You've done a great job of selling it. Yes. <laughs> and I have enjoyed the episodes I watched with you. Um, All right. So we're we going to take a break because we just talked for ages and then we're going to come back. I think what's the next fun thing to do? Is it worst of the year or is it, is it... Do we go straight to worst? I think we do honourable mentions first. Yeah, we'll do our honourable mentions first because I'd need to talk about The Mandalorian for about, <laughs> for about an hour. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we'll be back after a very short break. We're going to hear from what you guys thought. Uh, honourable mentions what we were most disappointed by and what our worst TV shows that we watched also not to mention Guilty Pleasures my favourite oh yeah category. okay yeah. right see you soon you'll never get a second chance plan all your moves in advance stay dead stay dead stay dead stay dead and out of this world run fast don't stand in the sun there's too much work to be done Hi, we're back, and uh, it's still very windy. <laughs> we are now joined by our son Elliot, who's taking a, a little snooze. <laughs> yes, buggy here. His uh, terrible indictment of our podcast is that he always sleeps through it. <laughs> um, but we're back, <laughs> and before we get to our honourable mentions, we wanted to read out what some of our patrons had to say about TV this year. Uh, so, Colin McCluskey, best show Ted Lasso never heard of it Ted Lasso is an Apple TV Plus exclusive with Jan- Jason Sudeikis as an American football coach oh. who comes to the UK to train a we call it soccer but they call it football in the UK this sounds good see this is why we like you guys inputting because a lot of stuff we've never heard it's supposed to be great it's on my absolute to watch list but we don't have Apple TV no plus another one from Colin McCluskey Cobra Kai I have heard of that that's the one that was on YouTube and is now 
It's on Netflix now. On Netflix. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no one watched it on YouTube. The Boys, which is on our list, we haven't watched yet. Yeah. Yellowstone, Afterlife. Ooh, controversial, Colin. We're not big fans Don't of like. that. Sorry, guys. Haven't Sorry, seen Colin. season two, though, in fairness. Well, we didn't even watch season one. We watched two episodes of yeah. season one, and I really hated it. And anyway. Chernobyl Great shout column Except that was from 2019 So but, glad you caught up with it But it's so good I'm going to so allow good. it I think Chernobyl Should be the best TV show every year And then he said Then I don't know about worse But I think Lovecraft Country Ended up being a bit pants Oh I really wanted part. to watch that That was well, the HBO one um, Column says it's Michael a bit K. Williams For the most part And then finished okay Laura O'Dowd Best Shits Creek Laura we've tried our best Repeatedly Sorry, We tried so hard to we watch Shits Creek into This it. was Shits Creek years I know yeah Shits Creek's Shit's Creek's year It was And I'm so sorry For all the people Who love it out there All my family love it They've all watched it We've just not been able to His Dark Materials I think we're broken His Dark Materials The Queen's Gambit Bridgerton Which I haven't caught yet Which just came out on Netflix So fair play Laura If you've watched it all Already Ghosts We love Ghosts Oh Ghosts is great Probably in our honourable mentions Better Call Saul Insecure 100% Laura Insecure is Usually in my no, top didn't five didn't make it in your honourable mentions I guess It's it's about top It's about number seven for me this year uh, um, The Crown Worst About number seven The Last Dance Exactly number seven Just couldn't get into it The Last so, Dance was good Neither oh, she says, we Laura. She says the worst is The Last Dance Yeah oh. she said No we liked it We just didn't quite get into it either Dead Still Never heard of it Guilty Pleasure Selling Sunset Yeah I watched a bit of that Oh Selling it. Sunset was, was great fun. Good trash Yeah Mike Willoughby Best Ted Lasso Another one The Outsider Mike agreed to disagree on The Outsider Sorry guys We thought The Outsider <laughs> <laughs> Shite And Watchmen Which yes Brilliant in 2019 Mike um, Liz Mitchell Best Devs Agree 100% The Morning Story Or was that 2019 I also think she means The Morning Show This is very funny Totally Addictive I May Destroy You Of Course And The Undoing Worst The Secret She Keeps Never Heard Of It Guilty Pleasure Another Selling Sunset Rob Boehner Best His Dark Materials Thanks to the podcast Dave Great Pottery yes. Throwdown Men Like Mobine Taskmaster End of the Flipping World Worst Bing Always Bing and Peppa Pig. A hundred percent agree. Bing. We like <laughs> no, Bing. Bing's good. Bing's a, Bing's a kids' TV show for anyone who doesn't know. Peppa Pig. We hate her, of course. Bing's awesome, guys. My, Mark Rylance is in uh, is 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 in Bing. Another one from Neil and uh, Neil West. Best Ted Lasso. Right. Okay. We really need to. Yeah, watch we gotta Ted watch Lasso. Ted Lasso. Ian Tunmore. Weirdly, given the circumstances of this year, I've watched less TV than ever, but I absolutely love The Last Dance. I did rewatch The Wire for the third or fourth time. Will yeah. there ever? I also be... have a podcast about that. Well, he says, will there ever be a series three of The Wire stripped, Dave? Oh, sorry. Uh, Yes, uh, we have uh, we have made it. It's like ninety five percent done. It's all recorded. We just haven't been, had the chance to piece it all together. And so apologies. My, it's so 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 late, but it is coming. This is my favorite one. Richie Jones, best first five episodes of The Undoing, worst last episode of The Undoing. Jason <laughs> and every episode between the first and last one. Best Jason, The Mandalorian, A House Through Time, The Boys Again, Lovecraft County, Inside Number Nine, This Country, Worst Picard. I love the next generation, but this was slow, dull, totally misjudged, and the ending was awful. Jason, yeah, spoiler, agreed. I'm going to talk about that later. Yeah, I know I didn't see the ending because it was, in fact, so slow, dull, and totally misjudged that I stopped watching it. <laughs> Same. Guilty pleasure, strictly, but something I normally don't watch, but bravo, Bill. It's awesome that yeah, Bill Bailey, Bailey and strictly come dancing. Um, Laura Breen said, I agree with all of the above, but yet again, The Mandalorian, I made to show you. Oh, Kingdom, we liked that. His oh, Kingdom is good. Ragnarok and of course the mighty succession yes Laura but there's been no succession this year Cathy you're, so, you're 2019 shaming all our <laughs> patrons <laughs> um, and she said I've just finished Alice in Borderland never heard of it uh, you'd lose oh an that en- just came out on Netflix she says you'll lose an, lose an entire day as for the worst the undoing uh, Laura there's so Green. much TV we haven't seen I know oh and Hollywood that was brilliant okay now back to Disagree. our honourable mentions thank you right, patrons wow. Cathy 
I, um, I'd love to hear you reading the news. <laughs> okay. And well, we're going to hear more from uh, from you guys uh, from from uh, the. Twitter people later. Uh, later on the Twitter people the Twitter oh my god people. I'm a dad but we had to do our patrons first because they are the most engaged TV audience I've ever come across even more so than Twitter right, right. honourable mentions my number one honourable mention was number six on my list just about missed my top five was PMQ's Prime Minister Questions oh this yeah good one is the year that I got 100% addicted to PMQ's I always have enjoyed it but being on maternity leave in lockdown um, with a visceral hatred for Boris Johnson watching Keir Starmer lay into him in PMQs and all the other MPs as well even the ones in his own party has been a true joy for me in 2020 uh, I laugh there's been some good ones I really just sit in the kitchen watching it on Twitter on my phone while I eat cookies and brownies and I laugh hysterically so that's pretty much how 2020's gone down for me it's the kind of that, <laughs> watching that and laughing hysterically is the sort of that sounds like the equivalent of the the like laughing hysterically while your house is burning down around <laughs> I know you. it is <laughs> and then like sometimes <laughs> I even like go back right if I'm watching it on TV I'll go back rewind it record it and send extracts of PMQs around the family group like that's how I've gone down in 2016 Good. or 2020 sorry I wish it was 2016 okay insecure season <laughs> no do you remember when 2016 was the worst yeah. year ever uh, insecure season 4 as I said was literally 7th on my list uh Love Insecure season four, as I've loved all seasons of Insecure. The reason it's not on my top five this year is, is purely because it's the fourth season, and while it's still a brilliant show, it hasn't, you know, it's not like. Is it spinning its wheels? It's not spinning its wheels, it's just, it still is what it is. I still love it. It's a brilliant comedy made, created by starring Issa Rae, and it's brilliant. It's just not in my top five this year. Um, it's what funny because I I, I, re, I really like that show, but I haven't watched it since season yeah, two. Yeah, you fell away from it. And for no real reason, I just lost interest. Yeah, but it's brilliant. And one of the things really good about Insecure season four this year was, um, you know, it, it's really interesting because what this season looked at was the effect of a long-term friendship, right? People who've been friends since they were, we think in school, we don't quite know. And how you just naturally in the real world fall away from friends because you've kind of conflicting priorities and jobs and schedules and and then just some poor communication and how quickly that can all unravel what was a very tight friendship um, and when you bring re- uh, romantic relationships into it and all that and I thought they did it was one of the best depictions of like of friendship issues I've seen on a lo- in a long time so I thought that was really interesting and I, I mean I love the show I always would love it uh, Normal People the Irish show um Another fantastic adaptation uh, taken from the novel by Sally Rooney and adapted by Lenny Abramson with unbelievable star turns from um, Daisy Edgar-Jones and Paul Mascal. Obviously, Connell's chain being the highlight of the show. I I, I missed the show, but it was impossible not to know (laughs) about it. It was everywhere. It It really made an impact on pop culture. You know the way I said, um, like, Little Fires Everywhere took a brilliant source material and, like, elevated it? This did a different thing where it took a source material and, and made you feel like you were, no made you feel like you were literally living in the book. I've never seen an adaptation oh, wow. like it. It was incredible. The reason it's not on my top five ultimately is because uh, there's parts of the book that were a bit too mopey for me, and because it was such a good adaptation, there was also parts of the show that were a bit too mopey for me. So I don't necessarily like to watch people just moping around, but I feel um, that is the teenage experience. Though, oh, it's it? an incredible. If you, yeah. there's a certain part of your life, like I'd say early twenties, that if you watch this, it has to just be like a kick in the gut. It would resonate so much with you. Uh, the Undoing we mentioned already from some of our patrons. We had a total binge with The Undoing and as we were watching it um, for anyone who doesn't know it's the big big HBO drama from the creator of Big Little Lies Um, he basically created it based on a book for Nicole Kidman 
Hugh Grant plays her husband. Brilliant turn from Hugh Grant. Um, it's a murder mystery. Over six episodes. We watched it over two nights and had such a good binge. But as we were watching it, we said to ourselves, we know the ending's not going to be good because it never is in these things. That's fine. We have to remember that we enjoyed the ride. And we did enjoy the ride. Yeah. And we somehow managed to talk about it for an hour on our Patreon with my mom a couple of weeks ago. So that's over there. Um, Brave New World, um, the adaptation of that book, <laughs> which was like a peacock which is a streaming service in the US they brought it out like kind of to launch yeah, the, the streaming NBC service the NBC one is it? yeah NBC University streaming service why is there so service. many of these bloody things now? yeah but you have to have a streaming service now right? Yeah. and anyway it was on over here on Sky 1 and I really loved it I loved the world that they created uh, it's a very very small book like a tiny book and, yeah, and they, you can tell yeah they had very <laughs> once they ex- built the world they had to expand on the plot yeah but they didn't but there they, was this no bloody plot there here there wasn't enough of, we never finished it but it is an honourable mention for me because I thought it was a brilliant it's beautifully executed put together and what's cast. his name Alden Ehrenreich who uh, was Han Solo and he's brilliant he is very good in this yeah very and good we had Daenerys's brother from uh, Game of Thrones yeah so like it was a great cast uh and it was a and it's great good, world. It's good looking sci-fi, yeah. great concept, and very I'm, interesting, but ultimately really dull with no momentum. Got dull, but I'm going to finish it. I know, Dave, you've checked out, but I am going to finish it. Um, Criminal UK season two, really enjoyed on Netflix this year. Yeah. Four part series that I recommend. Each episode standalone. So some problematic issues there. Some problematic issues. There's we, did, an episode, we did a full Patreon episode on that as well. Yeah, there's um, an episode starring Kit Harrington, who you would all know as Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. We found that episode quite problematic. But other other than that, as a whole, it's a, it's a great show. show. I'm, I'm the best thing if any of you are looking for like a 45 minute standalone episode that you don't need to make any series commitment. Criminal is the show for you. Yeah, because it's so hard to start episode one of exactly. three seasons, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the Sinner season three, which we thoroughly enjoyed on Netflix with Bill Pullman, I and about um, that. who was in this season again? I'll stick that on my honorable mentions list now. The Sinner was really fun. I can't even remember who else. Oh, it was the guy from um, the guy Matt fr- Bower. from White Collar. Yeah, it was yes. very enjoyable. Not a standalone episode. You have to watch the whole series, but good very sh- grim. Good show. Yeah, but very enjoyable. Snowpiercer. Oh. We had so much fun with Snowpiercer this year, guys. Um, that's which- a guilty pleasure, kinda, because it's not it's kind of a stupid show. Um, but it's very, very entertaining, and it's on Netflix and again. And look, honestly, a lot, of, a lot of this is Netflix. Um, Snowpiercer is so much fun if you like kind of madcap sci-fi. Uh, some good class disputes, all set on a train that's circling the world, based on the same titled movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago from the director of Parasite and very enjoyable TV we loved Snowpiercer not so sure about where season 2 is going to go and for once we never we never really have um, like like ITV on our lists at all to be honest but Quiz this year was a brilliant three part series that ITV made based on uh, the guy who back in the day like cheated and who wants to be a millionaire well, and, well allegedly allegedly well no he was, they were convicted ultimately in real life of it right? and it's for anyone who doesn't know it but stars it's dis- Matthew it's disputed Matthew McFadden who you will know as um, god what's his name in succession oh my he's, god it's gone he's married to um, oh my god we're obsessed with obsession a uh, succession he's married to the daughter in succession and he's like the foil to Greg cousin Greg completely blanked on his name is it Todd? Todd Tom uh, Tom, Tom from Tom. Succession of Stars in this 
uh, and it's brilliant. I thought Quiz was also, so good. Michael Sheen doing a, a very convincing Chris uh, Tarrant. Chris Tarrant yeah, impression. Brilliant. Uh, this was an this was an interesting show um, because it worked both as like kind of an interesting. Biopic of the origins of who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, that was really interesting. But also turned into a bit of a sort of a an in, a courtroom drama. Not, a, I think it kind of fell over a bit towards the end of him. Finding high quality mental health care can be daunting and exhausting. That's why Cerebral offers convenient access to online mental health services, including therapy and medication management. Cerebral's diverse clinician team can help with anxiety, depression, insomnia, stress grief, big life changes, and more. You can schedule and communicate with your care team through Cerebral's mobile app and attend your sessions from the comfort of your own home. Get started with or without insurance. Plus, you can now use FSA or HSA. Start your first month for 50% off at Cerebral.com slash ACAST. It did fall over a bit, but we really enjoyed it when we watched it, didn't we? Yeah, it's an easy watch. It's only three episodes. Uh, Raised by Wolves, we talked about already. I won't go into. Bake Off came back for me this year. Yeah. Bake Off came around just at the beginning of autumn. Back for you, did it? Like, I've kind of gone off with the last few seasons, um, and I'm not fully sold as Matt Lucas as a host, but it just felt like Bake Off coming back this year was like a big warm blanket, and it's how people feel about Strictly. I know we just don't watch it. Um, And it was nice that they, you know, they filmed that in a bubble, so they were all, you know, Whatever, uh, quarantining together for the duration of yeah, the so show. Yeah, they were production. all like best friends even more than usual. But but it also meant that COVID didn't exist. In yeah, they that were all there like, was no social distancing. Yeah. There was nothing. They were hugging each other, and it just felt. It was lovely. It was nice to see a TV show like that yeah, in 2020. I really enjoyed that. Um, Ghost season two. So Ghost is a comedy that um, season two came out this year, but we also just caught season one this year. It's on the BBC. It's a very very lovely sweet endearing comedy it's basically about a couple who inherit a mansion and the mansion ends up being haunted by like a mad cabaret of ghosts and it's just lovely and funny and I, loads I would, of great I, actors I, I would say there's many things including hilarious and uh, has brilliant characters I didn't particularly find it sweet or endearing to be honest perhaps one really? moment I just love the interactions there was always a lovely interaction with the ghosts at the end like there's one episode where they're obsessed with friends and then they all yeah. sit on a sofa outside and pretend to be like it's sweet like do you know what's so good about that show is that the you know this is not a spoiler but the um, the, the, the house is populated with ghosts from all um, throughout history yeah like so you've got a caveman, a caveman there. and then you've got like a Tory MP who died like in the, coke 90s. in the 90s and, and so you basically got this like all these opportunities for fish out of water yeah. circumstances it's with really people throughout good. time living together it's, it's, bas- such it's a basically like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure but good but Oh, wait! A, hang on. I thought you were talking about the new Bill and Ted. No, the Bill and Ted's excellent Sorry, adventure. Yeah. Excellent. It's kind of like that, yeah, a little bit. Um, and finally, I did want to mention Cheer, which was the Netflix documentary that we were obsessed with at the very beginning of this year. Uh, it's a wonderful documentary about this cheerleading Everyone team. Everyone was obsessed with that. Yeah, um, competitive sport. Like that cheerleading is in the US in the kind of junior college scene, which we frankly had never heard of before. And watching it is like, this was like one of the, it was like really good sports documentary, fascinating character, particularly in the central co- uh, coach. She was very interesting to watch. And like the physical brutality that these kids go through to do cheerleading is quite something. And kind of fascinating in it all is how they like, once you finished college cheerleading at say the age of 21, that's it. No career left. Yeah, that's okay. You I'll, fall off a cliff and it's terrifying. And the the documentary captures 
their their ethic, their hard work and like the kind of brutality and how disposable they are like they will be at the top of a pyramid being thrown up in the air and good luck to them if they fall and break something they're just replaced by someone else and that's it. It's the best brutal. they get out of it is they get a scholarship to college and for a lot of them it's shown you know to be quite clearly as is the case with a lot of people they wouldn't have gone to college without those scholarships and then B if you're lucky you'll get um either a coaching job somewhere or you'll get like Instagram followers. Yeah. But you you've no further career in cheerleading itself. So yeah, brilliant documentary on Netflix earlier this year. Right, well, uh, onto my honourable mentions then. And cheer- I had a lot, sorry. You but did? there was such a good year well, with Well you. done, you rattled through it. All right, <laughs> so cheer, cheers on my list as well. So I'll just talk about that while we're there. Um, and I think I agree with everything you said. And what's, what's, Cheer is an incredibly well-made documentary. And I think it's very um, important to point that out as a contrast to another very popular documentary this year, also on Netflix, which was Tiger King. Which I found to be a fascinating from because naturally it's filled with bizarre manic people and has an insane plot, but that has that's really I found it really kind of sensationalist and hollow. I feel like Cheer is for me a very perfectly um, toned um, documentary in which it's it's just like. I, I, at no time did I feel the presence of the uh, this, this camera crew. They felt invisible, and they were managed to capture these kids and the coach at, at this at, at, at incredibly um, honestly. And and it's just a brilliant subject matter, like you said. It's just like this. There's not. There's a. It's a pointless sport with no future or ambition. Like it's not. There's no Olympic level here. You you peak at 21. Oh, and we forgot. And I forgot to say. Sorry. You you train all year for a two minute routine. Two minute and. Two minutes. If you mess up those two minutes, you've wasted a year and, of your life. And they train hard. So, so they that, train like eight hours a day. But that's like any like the best documentaries. This it just somehow manages to convey something about that and how that relates to the human spirit and this this just like commitment and ambition and hard work for something so small, but something that's so important to these people. I thought it was just an excellent, excellent documentary and I considered it putting it in my top five there were four other things which I'd put in my top ten and almost cracked the top five first one is devs uh, which I won't uh, rattle on about because you, you've kind of covered it off nicely earlier but I just Alex Garland man just like he's incredible you just know when his name is attached to something you're going to see something you've never seen before and I really felt like that here uh, the Mandalorian um, I almost put that on my on my list um, and I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about the show really that um, hasn't been said online already because it's just an absolute zeitgeist thing. It's a phenomenon. I know. I almost feel like I feel left out that I didn't watch it, and yet I can't be bothered. But you know what? It's like <laughs> I'd be interested to see what you think because it's not amazing. That's the thing. It's really good. It really is. But it, it certainly for me is a show that only has this level of hype because it's Star Wars. Like if you stripped out all that. All of that away, but you it can would just never be, strip out no, Star Wars. No, you just Wars. can't. But look, uh, what, it's just what I really like about it is that they kind of continue in that vein from the first series, where it feels kind of standalone um, and this this little episodic stuff. And there's and there's some really good episodes, particularly early on. If I'm honest, and I'll, I, I think I'll go into it on a full length episode on our Patreon at a later date. But the um, I, I think it. I think it's got a lot of problems, particularly towards the end. And I, I wasn't per- personally a fan of h- how they decided to end it, and it felt quite. But and yet you indulgent. were excited every week to watch it, weren't you? I was, yeah. and, and even more so than last season. I got to say, but still, the absolute hero of this show, besides Baby Yoda, who we now know to be called Grogu, <laughs> um, 
is the score and my god it's the best score of 2020 by far um, Rick and Morty came back for another season um, this year that show's always a pleasure it's very funny um, really enjoyable and the absolute standout episode for me it's, it's very it's very hit and miss though Rick and Morty but the standout episode was the one I don't know did I watch this with you but they, they deconstruct the heist genre um, and basically it's so good that you can kind of never watch a heist movie again <laughs> without just looking at the ridiculousness of, of the formula um, and another animated one which almost made my top five was one that just came out on Netflix for its uh, fourth season is Big Mouth um, which again I've talked about this a lot previously but that is uh, for a show that this is a kind of show that shouldn't work um, because it's largely centred on um, children uh, uh, going through puberty so these are what 12 to but 14 year olds but in very what I would describe as ugly animation uh, yeah yeah it is, it is not, it's not attractive yeah, yeah but it's like but it's, an, it's kind of an ugly period uh, of transition that we all go through but what I think is so interesting about this show it's very brave in that it doesn't shy away from it goes full on into like the gross of it the the crudity the sexuality of it and often will just call itself out and get meta for being like don't forget these are children you absolute sicko um, and it, it's very so it's, it's this real interesting sort of grey line where they some, somehow manage to skirt while also being hilarious but most importantly this show has feels honest and um, personal and emotional and I don't know the details of the writers room but it feels like everyone like I, I was able to relate to so much of this I would imagine um, anybody can find something in this show that, that relates to them they deal with um, uh, coming out to, to one's parents um, uh, you know um, I hate when they're kissing I find it makes me feel physically sick when the characters it's in the very show crude kiss. and this isn't for everyone it's like gross out sort of humour um, anyway uh, uh, it's very very good um, and also it's, uh, to, to do a slight um sort of tangent another I, I didn't think I would I thought previously this is the kind of thing you could only do in animation until we watched Pen 15 <laughs> yeah Pen 15 year, I forgot about which that which is essentially doing the exact same thing that Big Mouth is but um, with real life so but it, it's two um, oh god I don't have the name of the creator's hand but two women who are essentially doing the same thing they, they are in their 30s they've made this show about their own experiences as 12, 13 year olds as, as, as adolescents and they play themselves and it's very very funny and very sort of weird and skirts the same thing because the two of them these two full grown women are basically leching on all these 12 year old boys yeah, in their class who so are of weird. the same age as them but these shows are so alike that I was massively surprised this season on Big Mouth when they did a crossover with AP Bio and the two or sorry with um uh what's it called Pen15 and the two uh, main characters from that sh appeared as um, animated characters oh, no in way. Big Mouth which That's was amazing. very clever of them to do um, his Dark Materials was was, was mentioned uh, by one of our patrons and uh, yes I do have a podcast on that uh, with Helen O'Hara um, called His Darker Materials and we've just done season two um, season two of this was very very good just again just Ruth Wilson as Marissa Coulter is the best villain of the year once again yeah, she's brilliant in, just incredible and this is a just a really strong enjoyable fantasy show and a very good adaptation of the book um, The Umbrella Academy I'm surprised you didn't mention that you must have forgotten about it but we I didn't forget about it no. oh you just oh it's almost appearing later is it? I, it, no, it, no it's just one of those shows that I watched enjoyed at the time have forgotten will never think about it again anyway really re had a lot of fun with this and it's not a perfect show 
um, and has a lot of problems and drags like the first season did. But they, they, everyone in this <laughs> and the show, fact that they're making a season three, I'm like, yeah. But everyone in the show is having fun, and I yeah, had fun watching them. It is them good fun. Have fun. Very fun um, binge. Snowpiercer. I, I, you've kind of said it, but Snowpiercer is so fun. I loved it. Um, last week tonight for you it was PMQs. For me it was last week tonight with John Oliver, was where I was going for my news fix this year. Yeah, and you were going show, more kind of Trump end. I was going more Boris end. Um, but they this show got dark, right? This is usually a show that deals with the, the sillier side of news, but also often throws up very interesting topics that I might not know about. Like mail-in ballots, for instance, was discussed well before it became a huge talking point in the election. So you get a lot of really interesting... They go on deep for like 20 minutes on like a subject I might not know about. This year... It got pretty grim because, as you know, the news was just horrible. I didn't like it because I, th- I thought I, I want, I don't mind a light-hearted look at the news, but because the topics they were dealing with were so serious and like re- legitimately a matters of life and death, I found any attempts at humour around them to be yes. Yeah, sometimes the tough place, and it's not their fault. Look, they're a sh- they're a comedy show. I just I couldn't watch it. I was sometimes it's it. jarring because the formula is very much news, 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 information, punchline. And it's just you. Um, can't, I'm sorry. There's no punchlines to be had in the I news. I know this it was year. a tricky one. And look, it didn't always work. But I think for the what most part, what you need is a Scottish MP laying into Boris Johnson in PMQs. <laughs> when the Scottish MPs get up, I just die. It's so exciting. But I, I think for the most part, this was you know this show man went through a difficult transition like a lot of shows where it was just him in a blank void in a room without no any studio audience. No, they, and they adapted very well. And the quality of the writing, both on a sort of comedy front and on an investigative journalism front. Is still very strong. Curb Your Enthusiasm this year was amazing. You've covered it off nicely. Um, there's a great show we watched very recently on Netflix called Aunt, Auntie Dolly's House of Fun. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Which we got obsessed with. That it's an was Australian, really fun. Australian No, it's not Auntie Dolly, show. is it? Uh, oh, is it? Think, maybe I'm, maybe my autocorrect has done a number I don't here. think it's called, Aunt, it's called Auntie Donna. Auntie Donna's, sorry, yes. Auntie Donna's <laughs> House of Fun. Um, a very, a, just really, really weird Monty Python sort of abstract comedy it's just right in my bag I very loved it. Australian humour which we uh, love The Undoing you talked about um, Star Trek Discovery came back for season 3 and I have a real love-hate relationship with I this show I forgot about that and I haven't even finished it to be honest I kind of got bored of it but it felt um, it felt like they course corrected a lot of the problems from season 2 for me kind of doing their own thing it's a bit up and down it's one of the worst written shows on TV <laughs> if I'm honest from just a di- like I hate listening to these people talk and I kind of hate all the characters wow but it is and yet it's on your honourable mentions yeah I don't know it's just like oh my god just, Star Trek it's the level of um, like Michael Burnham and uh, is so over the top she's got the best cry face since um What's her name Claire from Homeland? Claire Danes and Homeland. Claire from Homeland. <laughs> She's so over bloody over the top and she gets this new sidekick in this season and has the worst banter with him. Like they have basically sp- spend a year together and then it goes like, just like that time on Rigel 7. Oh, I seem to remember Rigel 7 a little differently than <laughs> you do, my friend. It's just like, I don't care about your fake banter. Shut up. But wow, anyway, it's still, it's still Star Trek and I'm with it and it's trying and ultimately the core of it, it's got a very optimistic message and in, I a, like in the a dystopian cast. world I really like Michael Burnham I like all the cast I'm there for Saru the rest of them can go um, Brave New World I kind of covered earlier Ghosts Criminal UK yeah you've said this all AP Bio um, oh yeah but that no but you were talking 2020 TV Dave we were into season 1 that ain't no 2020 show oh but season 2 was 2020 wasn't it yeah because it like transitions into my most disappointing. Oh. Because AP Bio had a cracking first season, which we watched this year. 
and then season two was instantly disappointing. It was terrible. Um, and it it's was top an of my most disappointing fell off a list. cliff show, like yeah, quite shocking. Fl- forgot, kind of forgot what it was about and had this amazing driving force behind the first season, and then it was just like kind of lost its concept and then it but just became wool- and there's, what, there's no drive or motivation to it's this anymore it's just a bunch of characters because most comedies and sitcoms get much better in season 2 because it finds its feet this is the rare exception in a comedy because AP Bio has an extremely um, high concept season 1 which is that um, a Harvard philosophy lecturer gets the sack and returns to his hometown to teach high school biology because he can't get another job and it's you know it's a very short lived premise why is he still teaching biology in high school in season two? Yeah, they, they don't <laughs> go any the way to yeah, address that. And we won't, go, later, we won't go into spoilers, but there's certain things he does that just would never stack up past a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, fell off a cliff. Ooh, we're straight into most disappointing. I love the segue. Keep going. Yeah, all right. Um, well, why don't you talk for a while? I've been talking for ages. Right? Okay. Um, while I get my, my notes out. Because right, my I'll hands, stall. My hands are frozen. I know, it's so okay. cold. So disappointing for me... Um, Number one is another adaptation of a book I really enjoyed, The Outsider, a HBO show that we watched on Sky Atlantic. Stephen King Stephen novel. Stephen King's book, uh, uh, directed by the first episode and starring Jason Bateman. And we the Emmy award-winning Jason Bateman. <laughs> let me just add because one of my favorite moments was it from the beginning of 2020 or maybe last year when Jason Bateman won. Um, best director for Ozark over one of the Game of Thrones directors <laughs> and he himself looked so surprised it was just um, everyone going like he you know wasn't what? expecting it. Go, do you know what Game of Thrones finale we will stick it to you but the, this is what I when I said earlier in the podcast that actually at the start of this year when we had just watched episode one of The Outsider it was in my life potential running for best shows of the year because the first episode was absolutely brilliant oh, and then the show fracking. fell off a cliff and you know what in fairness to them because I've read the book and this happens with basically every Stephen King book cracking beginning goes on for too long falls off a cliff stops making any sense but you keep reading it because he's such a compulsive yeah. writer the problem for this show is but he the himself- show is very morose and dark and when you when you pulled out the very thin plot and lost kind of the pace of how Stephen King writes it just dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged and to the point where I stopped watching it which I was really disappointed by because it had the hallmarks of being everything I wanted in the show it was boring and frustrating yeah but the first stupid. episode was awesome yeah. but it's so like the book like I remember saying to Dave when I was reading it this has started out like a John Grisham thriller and then just turned into the end of any Stephen King book I've ever read before but you haven't seen It Chapter 2 but um, Stephen King himself has a cameo in that in which he refers to James McAvoy, who is, plays a writer, like all his characters, he says his work. He didn't like any of his books because he couldn't didn't know how to finish a book. Well, have you ever read? You have read because I bought it. So he's a bit Steve, self-deprecating. Stephen about King it. on writing, which is a great book on the craft of writing, and Stephen King himself says he doesn't plot and he doesn't plan and he just writes, 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 writes. And yeah. um, which, but as I said, works in a book because he's he's a real page turner. Um, oh my god one of my biggest disappointments of the year because one of my top five last year was the Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of Bly uh, Manor. So we were Season, so excited. We were for this. like, we were like, the night this show came out, we were like, appointment to view, sitting on the sofa, cannot wait to watch As it. As if we had any other appointments. Well, yeah, we know other appointments. Um, and basically, it's from like the same creative team, some of the same people, the same Mike, Mike Flanagan, who's just this horror, like absolute wonderkind. And then this is a completely new setting. It's Bly Manor, which is like this. Uh, a posh house supposedly in England clearly not shot in England um, <laughs> clearly nobody there's some serious dodgy ac- again, English like, accents here so many shows off. we started it 
couldn't finish it like it, it was so boring and there were so many things signposted where we could just spot every twist and to the point where but also at the very not end, scary de- not scary fundamentally and what was we were trying to figure out why is Blind Manor so bad and Haunting of Hill House was so good and we realised one of the things that really made Haunting of Hill House so wonderful was that the cast at and the its characters. core it was actually like a family, family drama, family drama yeah. amazing characters and then this incredibly scary setting on top of it Haunting of Blind Manor whatever it's called has no uh, interesting core relationships and isn't scary and is really hokey fake England and we live in England so watching that's weird um, also, and then not, Dave googled the ending because we thought we're not going to watch it and all the things we'd predicted happened yeah it's not a good sign of a show if you, the first thing you think of in episode one on, on all the mysteries they laid out is it this is it that and yes it was all the things <laughs> like, it's like, so it was like it, I, I hate to feel like I'm ahead of a show yeah. I want to be surprised. And speaking of another disappointing season two, show we both loved to see someone was Altered Carbon. Oh, forgot about this. Altered yeah. Carbon. That would be on my disappointing season list. Season well. two. Didn't just fall off a cliff. What did it fall off? It fell into an abyss, that's all I have to say. <laughs> all, like, unwatchable. Like, as in incoherent, unwatchable nonsense. I think we might have managed two episodes and gave it up. Um, and shame as well because it's got your man uh, from the Falcon from the Marvel movies Anthony Mackie exactly we um, were really excited who's a, who's a really good actor we were so excited that Anthony Mackie um, was going to be in it but no it just didn't work um, Laura Breen from our Patreon mentioned Hollywood that she thought it was brilliant Hollywood is actually on my disappointing list um, for anyone who doesn't know it was a Netflix show that was on this year made by Ryan Murphy who I'm such a fan of and with Hollywood at the beginning it's set in like the 40s in it's Hollywood it's set in Hollywood and it's it's a beautiful show like he's he's got such a distinct colour palette like looking at it it felt like Glee or it's something glossy so he made like Glee he made Nip Tuck he's made all the true crime stories he's, he's made kind of an auteur American his shows feel stories. very similar even oh, when yeah. he's not like he is. even directing them um, he also made Nurse Ratched which we didn't watch this year he's got a huge deal with Netflix he just released Prom a movie that I haven't seen but with Hollywood it was so good and it's such a good cast and I loved it but as it went on and on it got very saccharine and also got there was a couple of elements in it, in it that bothered me specifically um, some plot points where he kind of did an altered it was like set in the past but like an altered reality kind of a fantastical reality and, and one it's of a, the implications it's a wish fulfillment fantasy but one of the things that I think he was positing in the show was that if only back in the 50s and 40s that like gay people and people of colour had just stood up for themselves a bit more then maybe everything would have been different well, and I, I really I, disliked that I, di- I disagree and I with think you. I it was wish fulfilment but I didn't like I didn't like the implications I don't it. think the show I don't think the show was saying hey they should have stu- it was in their power to stand up for themselves sooner they should have done it but the it show did, implied like felt historical like, changes based on like one character feistily standing up for themselves I, I felt like the show was doing more of a sort of hey what if this had happened these these circumstances had happened and it had just changed the world like because that's the power of movies that's what it was saying it was very optimistic it was like if you did manage to get 
somebody um, in in that situation in on on that big screen, it will change the life of, of little children and like, forever. We and won't representation. Go into spoilers, but like Rock Hudson is a character in this, but like he, it goes very differently for Rock Hudson than it went in real life. Now I, I'm, surprised why I that, I'm surprised that I'm defending it and you're not because I thought it. I really thought it was crap. But I like one of the other things that I ended up disliking about it was because I loved it for ages. It's ultimately I don't agree that it was crap at all. I think it's a very good show, but at the end. Uh, key arcs and storylines and characters that had been built up suddenly just got rushed yeah and and like all these steps were suddenly skipped and we went from A to Z at the end and I didn't enjoy that and I was really disappointed specifically because like the cast was amazing but for anyone who listens to this every year um, whenever the year it came out American true crime story about uh, Versace we were obsessed with yeah, and Darren they, they Cross was better. in that he was in this as well I was so excited to see him like I was really pumped for this but at the very end it just fell apart disappointed my, my main problem with the show is that it, it posited this fantasy world and I, I'm I'm quite um, I'm massively on board with the sort of liberal message and point of view it has but the um, it, 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 it presents so little in the way of challenge a conflict in this show and when it does prevent conflict it's kind of just novel and it's um, is resolved immediately. Yeah. Do you know? And and there is so it's like this is this but, is, this, but the reason we're talking about en- it I couldn't engage with it. The reason one of, the reason we're talking about it still is a very good show and like the set design was beautiful. Like it the, it was all beautiful. It just quite fell apart at the end. Um another disappointment for me this year and again we didn't watch too much of it because we were disappointed. Space Force. We heard oh, there's yeah. a comedy from the creator of the US Office with Steve Carell and Lisa Kudrow. Sorry, the US Office with Lee Lisa Kudrow and Steve Carell and John Malkovich and it's said it's about the space race and like yeah we're in it's about no it's about the thing that t- Trump has actually created the extra wing of the military yeah all about which are space. going to space and but it just doesn't it's not funny no it's it, it's actually really it's really good to look at and well acted and all that there was just no laughs in it yeah um, we were so disappointed Space Force I we was we give up on loads of shows we've given up on a lot and finally when I give up on Picard such a disappointment Jean-Luc Picard is one of my ultimate crushes I love Star Trek Next Generation I don't watch um, Discovery like Dave does but I was so pumped for Picard like I was basically like my whole family and I were so excited and then I watched it and it was like it was fine but ultimately I found it rather dull and a bit like for me a bit too actiony and gun fiery and, and I wanted more about the character of Picard I didn't get what I wanted I was disappointed um, so that's my uh, last on my disappointment. I think we should take a break here because we need to. Elliot's awake. Let's bring him inside. Okay. Um, and we'll come back to you very, very quickly to hear um, Dave's disappointments and then both of our worst of the year. And also some of uh, what you guys said on Twitter. Yeah. Bye. Right, we're back. We're on the home stretch. My God, we watched so much TV this year. <laughs> and a lot of it disappointed me. So here's my most disappointing. I kind of covered off AP Bio. Uh, my segue didn't quite work there. Um, the segue was a beautiful thing. <laughs> Picard, for me, the most disappointing show by far this year and for many years was Picard because I was Aww. so bloody excited. We were too excited. That's but, I, but also I knew this. I knew this would happen. I knew I I'd didn't. be burned. I believed in it. 
this always happens Arrested because Development came back it wasn't the same like this, this, it's too hard to recapture something and also it can't live up to your memory and well, Patrick Stewart was like I wasn't going to do it until I read the script and the script is so amazing and I believed him yeah. Patrick but, but you I, did me dirty I believe that he believes it as well I don't think he lied to us I think He's perhaps just a poor judge of scripts. Perhaps, <laughs> oh, per, perhaps, or perhaps is a good judge of paycheck. No, oh, and I presume he was sent a lot of money in an offer well, to make this. Surely, I, I think Patrick Stewart might be a little close to what he is like in Ricky Gervais's extras <laughs> when it comes to judging the quality of script writing. Because <laughs> um, this show is fucking awful. I, I'm so I, sorry. I'm just a bit angry at how. How much they got it wrong? It's actually did write it down for worse, but I thought of another one. It's a it's a contender for a. Uh, it's a disappointing worse. It's a, it's a joint uh, for for worse. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's just like the the thing was when he was selling it, like you said, Patrick Stewart. He was like, this show is is raw, character driven, emotional stuff. This is really going to get to the heart of Picard, and I was like. Oh my god, this could actually be good. And no, it wasn't any of those things. It was a stupid, like, conspiracy spy thriller. Um, and I mean stupid, like, just not done well. Like, the, 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 the twists are signposted so far in advance. If you've seen a Bourne movie, you, you've, could, you could spot all this a mile off. We did enjoy the Irish Romulans, though. Irish Romulans were enjoyable. Um, there's a lot John of Luke's still hot. Like. There's a lot of Irish accents in this. John yeah, Luke still got it. He's still hot. He's still a good actor. Do you know what? I well, drink the wine. Credit. I drink the wine from his vineyard. Yeah, and I mean that in every sense of the word. I, I just think this show also. I, I can't, so you're looking at me like you want me to react to your joke. <laughs> what do you want? Was my was my like mild snicker not sufficient for that like top tier vineyard joke? Um, I actually genuinely wanted more time on the vineyard. Like I wanted Jean Luc's life, not just Jean Luc straight back in uh, Starfleet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and but I, honestly, if it had just been Jean Luc, like. Selecting grapes, making wine, living with the Irish Romulans. I'd have been into it. I was kind of with it. I was willing to give this show a chance so much that I stuck with it way past I thought that like way past I thought I should. I had way like, past me. <laughs> way past you. And then I got to a point, there's an episode, a minor spoiler here for like a detail that happens in Picard, so if you're really worried about minor details if they were that worried I think they'd have watched it eight months ago when yeah came. but like basically there's an episode where he he, they all have to go incognito him and his motley crew of, <laughs> of like mercenaries or whatever they are they have to go incognito and Picard uh, does a sort of raised eyebrow thing is like get this guys I've got a beret and then because he's French right because he's actually supposed to be French in the show and lives in France um, but you know but isn't. It's the future So he's got a British accent And uh, he puts on a beret And an eye patch And a fake moustache <laughs> And I was like What is happening And then goes To the to the meeting And is very much like She is a villain I am I am her She is useless And she's like And he's like uh, I am a French man What are you doing It's like Patrick Stewart Is having a ball here Because obviously He's been nobody... paying Millions of pounds To put on a beret And a fake French but accent It reminded me of Just just, just like this this um, George Lucas And Star Wars 
becoming this this sort of mythical legendary thing so they, when they got to filming The Phantom Menace Dave we're not here to talk about The Phantom no, this Menace is, this is like this is this is the same thing that happened this is not The Phantom Menace everybody like. working around him Dave was, this is not The Phantom Menace it's not that bad and you can't equate Jean-Luc and George Lucas it, this is worse refuse, than the, this refuse. is worse than The Phantom it's Menace it not. absolutely is The Phantom Menace has ho- held up surprisingly well Dave, this show won't we, we are in most disappointing we Would are you, not in worse let me make my point the, 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 this is the same thing when you have um, a property which is as revered as, as this with someone who's central to it um, surrounded by people who are afraid to say no to it because who's going to say no to Patrick Stewart who plays Jean-Luc Picard when he wants to have a bit of fun um, and do but this thing why do you think Patrick Stewart wrote that scene like no, undoubtedly it was written by someone else and he just acted it look I don't care who George Lucas is the I director Jean-Luc is the actor who is responsible for what happened <laughs> the fact is it happened and it happened centred on what one of like not just Star Trek but one of TV's greatest characters a man who is all about um, ethics and principle and doing the right thing and Star Trek The Next Generation was that at its core Sometimes presenting right interesting is putting on a ethical iPad. dilemmas in, and, and Picard would always find the moral high ground and navigate his way through this here he's putting on an eye patch and, and pretending to be French in a stupid like what, whatever it was Dave, high steps and I'm on. just like we're moving on because this isn't your worst of the year sorry You're, you, this is item one on your most disappointing I list. think I just want to talk about Picard in therapy um, anyway another one which really really disappointed me was Lock and Key which came out on Netflix which is one of my favourite graphic novel series of all time by Joe Hill Stephen King's son and um, uh, the illustrators Gabrielle or something I can't remember but just an amazing piece of work um and this is just dog shit really this is really really bad all over the place um, tr- it's just I couldn't, couldn't stick with it so disappointing you tried it as well right I tried it like a lot of shows this year we gave up early on it's you just not worth it in 2020 life's too short to watch bad TV yeah bad it really anything. is yeah. and it was just felt like dragged out and it was lacking the heart and the punchiness of the of the the source material The Haunting of Blind Manor you've just I agree with everything you said so disappointing Hollywood I had on it one you forgot about um, which was hugely disappointing but had a great start uh, two shows actually which <laughs> suffer from the same thing you've covered The Outsider very well I won't say any more on that but Run um, from have I forgotten it or is it on a different oh wow oh. okay so it's your worst show of the year I'm not saying anything um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's um uh, writing partner from Fleabag, right? Or uh, is is behind this? Donald Gleeson and I forget the actress's name, but she's very, very good in this show and others. Um, they 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 play a sort of. A, I'm not even going to say the plot because they watched episode one of this. If you just want to see a really, really good a pilot, brilliant pilot, very, very good pilot. Um, the actress with a is great called, premise. Um, Merit Weaver Thank you And so much potential And then watch As they slowly <laughs> Piss it away Over the course Of several episodes We got to like Episode 3 or 4 And I was just like I'm out I think you did An extra couple But I was like Oh this I is, went much further In the run I've of never run. seen So much potential Blown Well 2020 or- On TV Is a year of Potential blown We actually should Have <laughs> yeah. had that As a category Because there was So many good pilots That instantly died a death And here's another one Which did not have A good pilot But should have been good Avenue 5 Armando Iannucci of oh, um, God, I forgot of the about thick that. of it and Veep and just an incredible talent um, matched with Hugh Laurie and a lot of other um, great comedic voices 
they made a sci-fi show um, oh, about sci-fi comedy, like kind of like the Titanic in space. And that I was we just watched like, on Sky One, right? Yeah, Sky One, and uh, I was like, "This is gonna be amazing." We were, and it we was were like not. beside ourselves about this show because yeah. we love Veep, as everyone knows. It's always been in our top lists every year. And this is just this is poorly no joke like no, no laughs jo- no jokes no laughs but no satire either so yeah. it's like what is this and they spent so much money on it like it looked amazing and yeah the setting was brilliant and again it's like Space Force it's like you can have all that but if you've told me it's a comedy and it's not funny I can't watch it because there's nothing worse than jokes that don't make me laugh yeah nothing. exactly alright Cathy uh, let's let's hear from some of uh our followers on Twitter. So, Cathy, put the call out for some of your best and worst shows of the year. And guilty uh, pleasures. And guilty pleasures. Uh, Joe Kylie at Shitegeist Pod said, um, best Euphoria, Queen's Gambit and The Last Dance. Uh, worst, Avenue 5. Oh, I didn't time <laughs> that. Um, closely followed by The Undoing. Joe... Uh, and I have been talking about The Undoing The Undoing is very controversial yeah a lot of people didn't like the ending people get very disappointed when they don't like the ending but we maintain with the murder mystery it's the journey not the end and uh, Dave O'Neill said uh, it's a coin toss really between Avenue 5 and Space Force for the most botched show with amazing (laughs) cast (laughs) very good very good nice little echo chamber we've got going on here Um, Sam Clements says a show I've never even heard of uh, but I'm massively intrigued by The Great Pottery Throwdown oh people love that you heard of this yeah people love it and of course he's given us a gif of uh, Ghost the most famous an iconic pottery scene in cinematic history. <laughs> it's not a pottery throw then, it's a pottery get down. Oh, nice. nice. Um, caged in, um, the, uh, uh, the Nicholas Cage, Cage podcast, Cage podcast uh, said adored Lovecraft Country, uh, which we Another need to catch up that? on. Uh, Joe Griffin said devs, what we do in the shadows, and better called Saul for me, uh, which was not on either of our lists because uh, we, we need it. to catch up on yeah. I've seen the first two seasons. Um, uh, ho Ho Hobimu uh, says I don't feel guilty about it but the best Drek I've watched this year was Warrior Nun on Netflix <laughs> I haven't which I've seen not that. even heard no. of but that sounds amazing it sounds like something you'd be into utterly dumb but brilliant best was probably The Queen's Gambit I May Destroy You and Normal People and I've just discovered Shit's Creek which has changed my life yet another person who has we are dead inside what's wrong with us <laughs> why can't we why can't we like Shit's Creek we've tried so hard um Daniel Benningworth Gray said I am not okay with this was an absolute joy I've heard that's very good um, at Kinza Lee said industry which a lot of people had on their list high fidelity and mythic quest ooh so um, like, by the way we're going to watch all these suggestions so thanks yeah this, I'm, we're going to go through yeah. this for our next watch thank you uh, though none can really top I may destroy you and she said guilty pleasure is below deck that was truly a wild ride yeah below deck supposedly a brilliant reality show it's like about the servants who work on like the yachts of the rich and famous oh my god that does sound good yeah uh, Liam H Dempsey a man after my own heart because he went for Bojack Horseman <laughs> save me I may destroy you the trip to Greece uh, the Mandalorian and Mortimer and Whitehouse gone fishing Oh, loads of people recommended that to us this year, actually, on Patreon as well. Is that just them going fishing? Yeah, people said it's a very lovely show. I mean, I'm there for that. (laughs) Um, Phil Fort uh, said the best was The Mandalorian. Little fires everywhere. Harley Quinn? There's a TV show about that? Oh, Uh, Mrs. America, Lovecraft Lovecraft Country, and the worst... The Sinner <laughs> and I can see why people wouldn't like that The Sinner is like kind of so bad it's good <laughs> yeah. like I love The Sinner but I can see why it's bad also and Hollywood 
Um, Mark D at Atticus75 said best Curb Your Enthusiasm season 10 yes <laughs> once upon a time in Iraq uh, Ooh, I don't know never that heard one. of it uh, Small Axes uh, that's the, oh, their small movies axe technically we're going to talk about in our film podcast because I know it's a TV series but we've li- very little to talk about with film this year is it a TV series or a movie well you see this it, is Steve McQueen's five yeah, things it aired it? on BBC so it could be technically called a series but they're each an individual shorter film so we're covering them in our film podcast because we have very little film to talk about this year and clearly we have an embarrassment of riches to talk about in TV fair enough so um, on a technicality we're put, putting that in film and he also had The Last Dance and The Mandalorian we need to give The Last Dance another go because we love the first episode I know we just, just we forgot just about it, it. Uh, Umar Motani said um, uh, be teenage best bounty sorry best teenage bounty hunters uh, Ted Lasso Mythic Quest Little America Two Weeks to Live Cheer I Hate Susie Middle wow. Ditch and Schwartz Yes Selena <laughs> and Chef I haven't even heard of this um, um, Ted Lasso Whatever that is Need to watch it Guilty Pleasure Outer Banks And The Circle um, And then we'll finish With uh, Chris Attaway uh, Who said I've said it once And I'll say it again Married at First Sight Australia I love Married at First Sight Australia <laughs> It's good I haven't I've actually it well. watched it this year But when we lived in Australia I was obsessed with it Like for some reason When the Aussies make TV shows That others make in terms of reality They just make them better Like I don't know I think Australian people are like Yeah MasterChef Australia's like better um, It's like a, You know English people can be very reserved And American people can be like very emotional and earnest on reality TV Australia's like somewhere in the middle with extra humour thrown in uh, love it I just love Australian reality except TV except for Love Island Australia which didn't really work the British one's better the British one's the original I'm yeah. best for sure okay alright so Cathy before uh, before we do uh, Guilty worst, Pleasures let's no worst do our worst yeah, what, what was your worst show of the year was it Run I have a joint worst oh so do I Run is my first worst because and the other one, and the other one was Lola Run uh, no I'll tell you the other one in a minute Run because As we said We watched a lot of shows that that dropped off this year But but Run The promise that Run had for me Which was Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was involved Her production partner was Isn't involved she in it at some stage? She's in it We have um, obviously Donald Gleeson and Mara Weaver Like we mentioned Incredible actors Probably Doing I good work Both of them Both in of this. them are brilliant really And good. I would say The best most interesting most intriguing most compelling pilot I saw this year Hooked another one that we were weekly waiting for when it was on TV we watched it on I think it was on Sky Atlantic Um, it was so good the second episode was so good the third episode was bad fourth episode was really bad I believe at this point Dave stopped watching it I watched it right up to if you can believe 10 minutes of the last episode What? You got that far? It's a half hour show I watched You couldn't I, finish the last I 10 minutes I turned it off with 15 minutes to go <laughs> You just couldn't bring yourself I to I, It was unwatchable So when we say other shows like Hollywood You know en- Ended in a poorer quality than it began Hollywood was still a very good show by the end I just didn't like how they wrapped it off Run was like it ran away with itself. The premise died. Oh, hello. The Phoebe Waller Bridge stuff shocked me how bad it was because I love her and I love Flea, Fleabag. Like it got worse when she came into the show. It was almost like they knew the show was really bad at the point and they like needed her to rescue it or something. And I, and I think the fundamental you're, you're problem one from, is you're one from the Good Wife um, kind of ruined it as well. Oh, everyone except the central two characters were awful in it and. 
and it had such a good pilot and it's a bit like when you're talking about AP Bio season one the actual core concept of this show is so tight it's such a high concept and it basically all happened in the first episode that they had nowhere to go from it like they just but blew you know the load so early I, I, I would have been they should have just stayed with those two characters all and nobody else yeah. and just make a season of them and that's why it's my worst show of the year because because it was it was so good and it blew I've ne- do you know what do you know what ruined that show for me what I think was they spend the pilot and the second episode in a very intimate setting with yeah. two characters and they're so compelling to watch and the actors are amazing and Their the chemistry. writing is very good very very good writing oh the writing's brilliant and then the plot gets in the way and then do you know what else gets in the way hijinks yeah it has, never has hijinks shenanigans and mad cappery been less yeah. welcome yeah because it's a tonal tonally it's jarring like if you're watching like the Before Sunrise trilogy right and then in the middle it became a hijink action thriller you're like I'm not yeah. here yes, to watch Ethan Hawke in a hijinks action <laughs> exactly. thriller. That's not funny. Sudden, it's, it'd be like if suddenly they, suddenly they walked into a bank robbery. <laughs> and that's what Before Sunrise is about. <laughs> so basically, that's why I'm so sorry, Phoebe Wallerbridge, because last year, or the year before, whenever you'd flee back, you were my bloody number one of the year. But no, um, my joint worst show of the year is a show that I actually loved watching but in retrospect it was like a big fever dream it's Tiger King yeah which is my joined worst show of the year <laughs> along with Tiger, Tiger uh, along King. with Picard which First I've of talked all, about I, I, I and I believe most people will associate Tiger King with the very disturbing part of their lives which is the very beginning of the pandemic <laughs> we were all terrified we are all locked in our houses very distressing and along came a man and his tigers <laughs> to distract us and then the entire um, first world all tuned into their Netflix and basically broke it to watch Tiger King and Elizabeth my sister was living with us at the time we were obsessed we were in an absolute frenzy watching it this show there's no other way to describe this show as a phenomenon (laughs) it was a legitimate like worldwide sensation the whole world was talking about this it could very well be the most watched thing of 2020 I would not be surprised but doesn't it it feel like a hundred years ago now right oh yeah and because we were watching it with a critical eye because we were like uh, because of the nature of the show and, and how popular it was we were gonna like we did a big episode of this on our Patreon and when Cathy says that she means we had our monocles on <laughs> literally that's no, our we, critical we eye we were trying to put together what we thought about the show and I'm not going to go into it too much because we did such a long episode over on Patreon but it just unwrapped it was like what was this show why were we all watching Joe Exotic he's an absolutely vile person what was the ethics behind this well, show? He was what? No, sorry, he was one of a host of well, vile characters. What was? What was? You know, like when you watch, on this that is show. a documentary, right? And I do believe that when you're watching a documentary, it should have a point. It should have a point. Yeah, did not. I do believe that the documentary makers, to some extent, have like an ethical responsibility in what they're showing us. They did not. I believe um, there should be some coherency in the plot. There was not. And I believe there should be some form of either a resolution or a question posed at the end. This had none of that. No, this had um, jo- Joel <laughs> What's his name from Community. It was the question at the end, oh in which God. he basically validated what I suspected of the whole time about this thing was that this show is just—it's t- the tabloids. Garbage. Yeah, it's this is—it's tabloids. It's the National Enquirer. Yeah. it's sensationalism. It's—it's so- it's, look at. Do you know? Do you know those trash magazines? And they'd have a profile about like you used to have. <laughs> you used to read these occasionally, and there was like, do you remember? There's a profile about like. The man who has sex with his car. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, what's that? That's weird. And then you read the thing and it's just like, yeah, I have sex with my car. And then I'm just like, and then okay. there, there's these fascinating curiosos of, of humanity. 
and this is just a host and of those people for remember, no reason other than to gawk at them. It was look really, at those people. Really exploitative show. Exploitative. Like, yeah. In some instances, it was it was legitimately taking advantage of uneducated people living on the breadline who've got problems, and this show was filming them like they were circus freaks, like they're animals in a zoo. And I really, really strongly objected to. And there literally the level, are animals in a zoo in this who are being of, treated badly as well. But the level of access that this camera crew took advantage of, and I feel like they really exploited the subjects of the documentary. Like, I'm not going to bang on about it, but as much as at the time I enjoyed it and I laughed and I loved all the memes, it sat very poorly with me. That's it. And, like, and it's so funny that I have this and Run as my joint morse because let me tell you, Run is none of those things. Run is a show that I just loved at the start and by the end I hated. This is something, and you know, run, I have no problem with it ethically at all, obviously. This is a very different kettle of fish. This was dark, and while of course it was funny and Joe Exotic is a caricature, ultimately he's a very despicable, awful man, and like, you know, he got up to, he's in prison for attempted murder. Like, there's no getting around it, and I, I didn't enjoy that someone who's in prison for attempted murder became a meme. And, and, and this show could have said something about celebrity and the obsession with it and it kind of there's a lot of elements in here to sort of string together a coherent narrative or point but the show doesn't have the, the, the sort of wherewithal or self-awareness to do that and I mean the show's producers in that regard they, they were just there to watch as well like they couldn't believe that this stuff was happening well they started and, to talk they started to film about the the whole tiger trading industry when itself is yeah and awful. then they circ- they tried to circle back to that in the very last episode yeah. for like two seconds to be like this is a real issue guys and that's why we wanted to make this documentary it's like no you didn't you did a whole episode speculating about a woman murdering her husband yeah and then Garibaskin with, with no evidence Garibaskin was on Dancing with the Stars and I have to say of course I tuned in to watch uh, dancing to Eye of the Tiger let's just say that much just the whole thing made me feel dirty yeah. and, I, and, and I'm and i sorry I'm not better than anyone else by the way no, I we was watched hooked it. on this yeah. thing but it was just like it just made you feel like it was like eating a t- 10 Big Macs in one <laughs> go it's just like you look at a Big Mac and you think this is everything that's wrong with society and I want well, it and it's delicious this year like how long ago does Tiger King feel feels like a hundred years ago yeah yeah now what's your other worst of the year Picard and I won't oh okay let, I won't make you suffer any longer <laughs> but somebody guys somebody tweet me about Picard and let's just tweet for hours about it because there's so much wrong with that I couldn't I couldn't even finish it and now my favourite part of the year let's go through our guilty pleasures yeah right my guilty pleasures you got more I only got one oh god I have so many guilty pleasures top of my list you season two Um. So You Season 1 For any of you who may not remember Was an absolute phenomenon When it came out A couple of years ago On Netflix um, Penn Badgley From Gossip Girl Is the star Penn Badgley Penn Badgley That person's name Is Penn Badgley It is Who's, Is beef? that a man or a woman Man The guy from Gossip Girl Oh the guy The main guy yeah, Is Penn Badgley Penn Badgley And uh, that's a, that's it was a based on name. a book And it was about a guy Who was like A creepy um, A creepy stalker Right And what was really clever About Season 1 Is that it basically turned like the romantic narrative on his head that we've been force fed through romantic comedies for years of like how it's really romantic if like if a guy chases you down and like finds out where you work and like sends you flowers and like shows up on an ounce like 
And then, and this turns it on his head and it's actually an extremely creepy thing for someone to do, right? He also happens to be a murderer. Season, <laughs> season two, I was like, that after you've watched season one of you, which is a complete binge, right? You'll watch season one of you in a, in a day. And then... That was a huge show, Oh, it was show, such a phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. And you just, it's total junk food. You can't stop watching it. And then season two, I was like, there's no way they can make this work. Oh my God, it's going to be awful. No, turns out you can just move him from New York to LA, give him a new girlfriend who is actually the woman who's the star of The Haunting of Bly Manor and Hill House. Uh, and it was absolutely bonkers and brilliant. Loved it. And I hope to God they bring back a season three. It's in my guilty pleasure list because, as I said, it's absolute junk food. It's really trashy. It's, and it, I, it's, watched, I watched a little bit of this while you were watching. I just dipped, dipped in and out. It is enjoyable, but it's like awful. It's But it's Dexter, it's isn't a, it? It's, it's Dexter, very like Dexter. It's Dexter meets Gossip Girl. Um, it's just a total laugh, basically. Um, Temptation Island. Can't believe that's not on your oh, list. Oh, did we, I watch that? Dave, we lived for no, Temptation. That oh was God, like was that this year. It was in January, I think. Oh right, well add it to my list then. That Temptation was a, Island. That was amazing. Season two. Now there was an old two. I can't remember season. anything about it though. No, do you not remember? What, so for anyone who doesn't know, Temptation Island, they basically it's an American reboot of a show that was around years ago, and actually at one point it was on here in Sky One. Um, oh wait, it's coming back to me now. I think send I, I like think five it. couples <laughs> to this island, right? And then they separate them, so all the men live with a house full of girls, and all the women live with a house full of men, and then they're all tempted right but do you not so they remember go, so they go on dates with single people do you not remember Casey from Temptation Island season 2 oh my god oh my god yeah, that was amazing <laughs> anyway we won't go into it but All we right. had such a laugh watching Temptation Island this year very, oh my god that is guilty very long time stuff. ago uh, the Bachelor, who signs up for that show The Bachelorette will always be my go to um, I actually spent That's not even a guilty pleasure That's just a pleasure for you The Bachelorette is a guilty pleasure though Basically any reality show that I watch I feel guilty about it Unless it's like Bake Off or something um, But my favourite thing about The Bachelorette Which is on ABC in the States But you can catch it on Hulu over here Is um, The podcasts I listen to like seven Bachelorette podcasts a week Yeah I know The show's only two hours <laughs> I actually Kathy watch it seems more to listen to the podcast, podcast content about The Bachelorette <laughs> than The Bachelorette itself. Anyway, and the show's it. already two hours a week. It was a brilliant season Kathy, you're, you're consuming like 15 hours a week of Bachelor content. I am. And that's why it's a guilty pleasure because my brain could do with some actual knowledge in it. And then finally, of course, the other phenomenon of the first quarter of this year on Netflix was Love is Blind. Yeah. What a laugh. That was the only one I could think of that went on my list. Oh, was that your guilty pleasure? Yeah. Oh, well, you talked about I it. I am a grown-ass man. <laughs> Uh, was, uh, we did a whole chat on this We did a whole Love is Blind episode on our Patreon as well Well, We had so much fun watching Love it Love is Blind was uh, a lot of fun It felt like a really hokey production in many ways it, it had been made in 2018 And they hadn't released it until 2020 Because it had just sat on the chopping board somewhere Because no one had really cared about it that much And then because suddenly you're talking Early days of the pandemic Everyone's at home no, this is pre-pandemic. It was pre, Way, but it, pre it went pre- on for ages, though, because of the momentum it gathered. Yeah. You're talking like the whole world watched this very hokey reality show. The premise was that you dated in these pods, so you couldn't see the people you were dating, and then you like fell in love. And if you got engaged, you got to leave the pod and see them, and then you had to like the see pod. if your life, if your life could work out. And the whole premise was like, is love blind? Um, no, because you got to see them at a certain point. 
So you never You didn't like End up with someone That you'd never spent Well time the idea with. is That you might you, you fall in love With somebody you've never seen But then yeah. But then, <laughs> but but then, then Ultimately <laughs> Love is not blind Because As in you know, No real spoilers here But in the case Of some of the couples They were mad about each other And then saw each other And then there was No physical, attraction. No physical attraction So kind of You do need physical attraction also, As well as a mental sp- Mutual attraction But also Even if Even if they really in, in Inverted You know In quotes Loved each other After their dates In the pod and then even if they fancied each other when they met, that still doesn't mean that five weeks into knowing someone that you don't suddenly, as you're in the real world together, start like realising that you're not actually compatible on many levels. Like One of the things I found really interesting, because we follow the couples after that... Yeah, like you've that, never like, lived with someone lived, if, who you've just talked with also, in a pod. You don't know what they're <laughs> like. And what I always think about when people meet in reality shows is you're very much removed from the real world, so you can live in a bubble, much like in The Bachelor world. And one of the things when we saw them together in real life in Love is Blind is that one of them, she was like, he, one of the couples was like, you're always on your phone. I hate how much you're on your phone. And that's a pet peeve of mine when I'm with someone and they're always on their phone. And you wouldn't know that if you don't even in a reality TV show with someone because no one has phones on reality TV. So that's <laughs> yeah. a prime example of something you would never know until the real world. They're always scrolling Instagram. You're sick of them. Imagine if they're waiting for roses on The Bachelor and you're just checking Twitter. And <laughs> like, sorry, I got to take this. Um, so anyway, oh my God, Love is Blind. We such a laugh watching that. Basically, all of our guilty pleasures and mine are like romantic reality. <laughs> And they are guilty because they're kind. They're just real trashy. But at the, and I don't mean that we feel guilty watching them. It's just that like they do nothing for you. You've not like advanced anything. Yeah. But honestly, it's been such a good year. It's for voyeurism. TV. Like we're gonna. We're, we're honestly we're trying to put together our best movies of the year, and we're struggling because we just haven't been able to watch that many movies this year. No. Um. It's been all about TV for us this but year. We, I think we've been choosing to watch more TV as well for whatever reason. Well, it's just so many when you're not like when you're not going to the cinema like for us. How we pick movies is we go to the cinema, we'll, we'll see what's on, we'll buy a ticket. It's very straightforward. When you're sitting at home and you're like, well, oh God, what movie should I watch? It's very difficult to pick one. And it's so much easier just to put on a TV show, um, especially in a year where there's been so much good TV. Now, as we said, Succession didn't come out and like, I was devastated. That's the thing I miss most this but year. What is going into production very soon oh, for wait. season three. I'm, God, I'm um, so excited. So the only really new shows that got made this year were reality shows and soap operas. Um, so I think while we had an, in- an embarrassment of riches this year, there's going to be a dearth of shows next year because people haven't been able to produce drama. Interesting looking back at the our lists and the year in general and how much Netflix managed to dominate genres they oh, haven't yeah. done previously, yeah. like reality. Exactly. You know? We talked about Love is Blind. Uh, Tiger King Tiger King is documentary Tiger um, King could also fit into a guilty pleasure because at the time was very you know, much we were was very a guilty compelled pleasure. by it yeah but the um, and they did another one which was their Love Island try which we didn't talk about which it was, was terrible pretty trashy um, so yeah very interesting year all around for for TV um, and let's leave it there let's my god there. what a what a long year it's been uh, yeah. what a long <laughs> podcast this has been and thank you everyone for listening to this um <laughs> epic episode if you want to hear more TV reviews as we mentioned obviously we do them every month over on our Patreon patreon.com forward slash the cinemile and we love talking TV and please message us wherever you follow us on Facebook Instagram Twitter or email the cinemile at gmail.com and let us know what shows you love and we're at the cinemile on those platforms yeah. and uh, we are also doing an episode as always on our best movies of the year as Cathy said we're just really desperately trying to pull the list together which will either be live now or 
be live very soon. <laughs> uh, All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And happy new year. Here's to a better year for everyone yes. next year. And thank you all for sticking with us this year and listening to us in a year where we couldn't really walk home from the movies. Yeah, where our podcast is effectively null and void, yeah. except for that brief period in the summer when we went to tennis. see tennis. Oh, my God. And Wasn't that exciting? <laughs> was so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. Happy Bye. New Year. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness. We host the Holderness Family Podcast every Tuesday. You may know us from the silly videos that we make online. Or a book about marriage called Everybody Fights. Or as winners of season 33 of The Amazing Race. Still can't believe that happened. Listen, we do a lot of stuff, but our podcast is our most favorite thing. Yeah, because every week we get to sit down face-to-face, talk to each other about marriage, family, mental health, or just anything that we want to know more about. Sometimes we have expert interviews, sometimes it's just us, but our goal is to bring some joy and laughter into your life every week. Our other goal is that maybe you will learn something as well. Right. So search the Holderness Family Podcast and check out our most recent episodes. We have one about staying organized with creators of the Home Edit. And one about being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. We hope you'll join us. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>